Hey everybody, it's Dave. Welcome to I've Known You Too Long. I'm just going to say a couple things real quick here. First thing I wanted to say was thank you to everyone who's been to the store and has checked out the stuff that we have to offer, stuff that's related to the episodes, related to the people that we've been talking to. I really appreciate everyone that's gone in there and bought something. Um, I just put up an article in the rants section of nobodysknows.com. It's a story about a show we did in Bellingham in 1990. The show was with Inside Out, Forced Down, and Resolution, and a local band called Extremity. I found a roll of 36 shots of photos that Bill Baker took from that show, and they're pretty spectacular. So I put them up and uh, wrote a little, just a few lines on how that show came together. And the response has been pretty overwhelming. Four times as many people have seen that page and anything else we've done on the site. Um, so definitely, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's very cool. If you ever liked Inside Out, if you ever liked Rage Against the Machine, it's definitely something you want to get a look at. It's an, an amazing show in a one-car garage a long time ago, uh, back at a time when there aren't as many pictures floating around to show how it all went down. So check that out. Also, in the same section of the site, in the rants section, I also put a story up a while back about the skateboard shop that I opened when I was 16 years old in Bellingham. Um, and that's got some cool old photos and some, some funny stuff in there. And I don't know. Anyway, just something I'm doing there that's a little different than the podcast, closer to what I used to do with my old zine. So do, if you haven't already, take some time, check out the site. I think you'll dig it. And as always, I want to say this episode is sponsored by Black Crown Car Service. If you use car services, if you I don't even want to say the other car services names. Just go to blackcrowncar.com, download their app, use them. They've expanded, they've got more drivers, they've lowered their prices, they're awesome, they know what they're doing. Soto runs that company, he's a good old friend. Check out his episode of the podcast and use Black Crown, support an awesome local business. But if you do nothing else, go to blackcrowncar.com, download that app, get it on your phone, get familiar with it, it's easy They'll get you where you need to go. All right, let's get to this episode. Here we go. Hey, welcome to another episode of I've Known You Too Long. I'm Dave Larson. My guest today is someone I've known for a long time. I say that pretty much at the beginning of every episode because all of these people pretty much, that's the truth. That's the whole point of having them on the show. Um, this is someone who has been around for so long that, as usual, I have a hard time figuring out where it starts. He played bass in a band called The Green, which was later known as Waffle Snomper. He was in a band called Orchard Manor that I'm kind of interested in. I'm going to find some more about today. He plays electronic music in a band called Logic Probe, which I used in my movie The Edge of Quarrel, and he was in The Edge of Quarrel in a key scene. And he's done a lot of other things. I think people would be surprised to know some of the places where he has been involved. So my guest today is Derek Linneman. Hello. Hello, Derek. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, I think, before I say the thing I always say, I think you are a special guest. I think... And I might be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but you may be the only person that I've had and probably the only person I'll ever have who has listened to every episode prior to the one you came on. I have indeed listened to every one of them. You've listened to 17 episodes of this podcast. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> I find it very, very interesting while I'm at work. Oh, so you, you've got time at work. That's exactly. Well, no, not really. But I make it. 
<laughs> but that's that's like the perfect setup for a long podcast though is when you have periods of time when you're doing like work you don't necessarily have to think about so right. you can have something else playing you know make work stuff yeah i'm working on a laser <laughs> working on a laser who would need to actually use <laughs> you, their brain you don't need to yeah you just have to push buttons and make artwork i once worked on lasers in you a company did. with you and you i did. actually understand because i after a while i would disconnect like that and listen to at the time no podcasts there weren't podcasts yet you played that worms game no no that was then, when i was pretending to work oh. and no one was around that's a whole other story. We can get to that too. <laughs> In the end, before it died, before the coal company for yes. me fell apart. I think it's still around in some weird way on the East Coast. Well, that is terrifying. That, that'll make some sense. That'll make some sense a little bit later. We're, we're way ahead of the game there. Oh, yeah. But um, Derek, I've known you too long. I cannot honestly remember how long. Okay. So we don't, we don't know. I, I don't. I don't, I don't think actually you... recall. I remember seeing you everywhere. Okay. And that's, see, the first time we spoke, I thought I was talking to someone else. Oh, who? I d- hold on. I'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. okay. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I remember say... the first time we spoke. Okay. Well, you looked at me like, what the hell is this person doing talking to me? But that's part of the thing. You see, I always felt that you were hostile. I've been that way my entire life. Right. And, and, and people feel like you're hostile towards them, but you're not. Oh, no. That's just how you... I'm just an extreme introvert. And you're not a hostile person. No. No. And it has brought nothing but controversy in, from kindergarten up. <laughs> so this was... Some, so you were like that as a little child. Oh, yeah. I've always been that way. <laughs> okay. All right. So Matt... Mox, I have resting mean face. Resting mean face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that visual. That visual face is yeah. great for podcasting. Yeah. But oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a photo of resting mean face so we could put it up. And uh, I don't think this is the real resting mean face, but show me the one you just said. How's that? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. It's a it's it's a slight <laughs> exaggeration. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Matt Matsuoka, uh, when I first moved down to Seattle, I started working at Kinko's. And Matt Matsuoka was really excited. We were doing the 1007 LP. There was great shows happening on the east side. There was just all this stuff happening. And Matt was bringing people together in his version of a Ron Gardepi bringing the scenes together. Which yes. is, with Matt, it's much more chaotic and crazy. And and so Matt would come in in the middle of the night into the Kinkos that I worked at in Bellevue. And there's a number of people like Damien was one of those people too. We just had him on um, where I'd be working. And then I just hear the noise of the door and look up and it's like, Oh, there goes like, oh, a couple more, another one. couple more hours of my night now, which was fantastic. <laughs> Cause it was really the best part of the job. But you knew that if you were like really busy, you're kind of screwed because friends in the store now. And we're the only two people here at three in the morning. I used to do that to the people in Redmond. Okay, <laughs> to the Kinkos people? Yes. Did you know them? Yes. Okay, very good. What was that band, like Super Deluxe or something? Oh, the Super Deluxe dudes worked at the Kinkos? Yeah. And... I tried to get a job there. And they they had a song me. about a sweater. Something they like wanted that. a skateboard, they got a sweater. Yeah, something like that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Some weird stuff. But anyway, go ahead. They were just dudes that became famous overnight. Yeah. Super Deluxe, right? Yeah. That's how I remember it. That's probably not the truth of the story. So, Matt comes in, and he's like, I have something I want you to hear. No. Oh. And he plays the green, I don't know if it was a demo or if it's what became the seven inch. I think it was a demo. It was a recording of the green. And I didn't know anything about the green. 
I didn't know, but he was excited because it was another East Side band that he thought was cool. And I listened to it and said, that song sounds like Cracker Bash. Cracker Bash being a band from Portland, Oregon that I was a big fan of. And this is important to this story. I was a big fan of Cracker Bash. So when I say a band sounds like Cracker Bash, it was a compliment. However, Matt being, like I said, Matt bringing people Matt. together, but also being kind of chaotic. I think when he communicated that back to the band, it ended up being, Dave says you ripped off Cracker Bash. Does that sound right? Oh, yeah. We were sitting at my parents' house on the couch. Matt would come over all the time. And that's one of the things he said. Yeah, Dave Larson says you guys ripped us off. <laughs> <laughs> and it was almost this like immediate like... Oh, well, screw that guy. Yeah, I heard. And then and then that's what I heard. Like, oh, those dude, they didn't rip anything off. And it's just like, oh, Jesus. Like, but it was not... also, Matt was intense. Matt was intense. With everything. And I, I think with Matt, there were when he brought that tape into me, I think there were two possible outcomes and both worked for Matt. I would hear it and be stoked and want you guys to be on the record label. Or I would hear it and not like it, and he could create a rivalry and division. And yes. either one of those would be something that would uh, entertain him. So they would, either one of those would and, work. And, you know, it's healthy competition. Sure. It always drives people to try to do things. So. Now, everyone in the green was were people that I ended up liking a lot over time. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it didn't happen as fast with each person, but like I would say today, I really enjoy like every one of those people. And if I had known that at the time, we could have just skipped to it, right? Yeah, right. Just boom. Hey, everything's cool. But um, that wasn't meant to be. So, and, and I think I was just like, I was the kind of person who wouldn't let something like that really stand, you know? So I was like, no, dude, it's all cool. But I think Matt kind of, kind of oh, stoked yeah, he, those fires. Oh, yeah. He stoked it all the time. <laughs> okay. But, you know, that was Matt back so, in the day. So. So you guys instead uh, ended up putting out a record on a local label called Hair Hurt. Which was us. Which was you guys. Okay. Very good. So Ended you, up being Adam and uh, Danny. It was Adam and Danny's label. Okay. And a number of releases came out on that, including when the green became Waffle Stomper. Right at the end, you changed your name to Waffle Stomper. Yes. Well, it was after Ben Davis left. Uh, oh. Because then it was really like, okay, he's no longer in the band. So we, we have to have to a something new else. name. Okay, that was a thing back then. And the whole thing, like the music kind of just shifted. Okay. Well, ben was an influence. Because they were already a band when I joined them. Oh, I didn't know that. They were called Cousin It when I saw them. <laughs> they played the Bellevue Y. Oh, I remember Cousin It. Okay, I remember that there was a band called Cousin It. I don't remember seeing them. So here's the thing. A short while after that incident with the tape, um, there was a show at the old firehouse. We've talked about the old firehouse a lot on this podcast. It was a big teen center on the east side, so across Lake Washington from Seattle in a town called Redmond. Maybe 15-minute drive. Get out there. Sometimes there'd be shows with upwards of, you know, five, 600 people, depending on the bands. Jawbreaker played there a lot when they'd come through town. It was, it was a great place. And the Green would play out there. So We played there a lot. I would oftentimes bring stuff from Excursion. And I'd sell, I'd sell records or I'd sell t-shirts or whatever. I'd have a little merch table if one of my bands was playing or I'd be up front taking photos, but I was always running around. I was getting to know all the people that worked out there and you were standing by yourself in the back of the room and there was another band playing. And that sounds like me. Right. Kind of with your arms crossed. Yep. I feel like you had a flight jacket on. 
was it well it probably wasn't a flight jacket it, but it was probably it, a gross green jacket with the born against patch on the back yes but it it had a skinhead kind of look to it oh well that's dumb but it was probably the gross green jacket and yeah. i just associated it that way in my head yeah it was right? like it was yeah value village was maybe three dollars i couldn't afford a flight jacket that's fucking great that's nor did i want one three dollar value village jacket. and it was just about the grossest shimmery green i could find nice and you sewed a born against patch on it yeah perfect yeah, that's, that's one of my, my hand silkscreened patches, because so, I used to do that all the time. So, for whatever reason, I was happy about something that was happening on stage, and I looked around and saw you, and was like, oh, that guy. Like, but I didn't think Derek the Green, Matt, has created this thing. I just knew that I knew you involved with the fire. So, I kind of walked over up to you, and I was like, dude, this band is awesome. And you looked at me, like, your eyes kind of got wide. And you just looked at me like, you are crazy for talking to me. And then I, I, I was like, oh, I think I even said, oh, never mind, and walked away. <laughs> Do you remember what band it was? No. Oh. No. It was, was I working there at the time? Because I worked at the old firehouse for a while. That could have been it. I know that, but see, the Although thing I'm is- I still going to almost every show. It was 15 minutes from my house. Exactly. So I walked away, and in my head I went, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's that Derek dude from the green- Oh, he must think it's weird that I just came up and talked to him like we were friends. No, I just have social anxiety. Right. But in my head, I'm trying to figure out, because that wasn't a normal interaction <laughs> for me, you know? Right. But that's the very first time that I can remember having uh, an interaction with you. And then right after that, everything was just cool. You were just a guy that was around hmm. and everything was fine. And I don't know like how long after that it would be that we had our first conversation, but it was it had to be within weeks yeah maybe it, it it all seems like it's so far but it's so close that proximity that time in that like two even what is a summer probably yeah i would say it feels like three years but it's, it's probably 1993 weeks. oh into 1994 yeah um okay when things were booming when things were booming but i was someone that you had a problem with and that changed so what changed it in your head I don't think that I re well, at that point, I probably did think I had a problem because I think Matt had convinced me that I needed to have a problem. If that makes sense. <laughs> it does. And it does. with him, it does. <laughs> I don't know. But I think he's probably still like that to this day. Probably. Yeah. If chaos follows him. Yes. And yeah, <laughs> that's the way it is. <laughs> But I also, I have, I'm a if person people... of very few, well, I don't think I have any enemies. Maybe I do and I don't know it, but I don't, I do hold grudges. Right. But it's got to actually be something. Right. There has been something yeah. that happened. I, I get that. I really do. So it's just, we, we knew who each other were. Yes. We'd had interactions. There's nothing before that. Before I moved to Seattle, we had never been in the same place unless we'd accidentally been at the same show. Yeah, that would be it. Like at the party hall, your band might have played and I might have been there. That kind well, of thing. I only ever played one show there. Which was with this band, Orchard Manor. Orchard Manor. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> That's the only time I ever played there. Okay, but you went to shows there. Yes. Okay. So you were you were one of the people who was making the trek in from the east side. But to... not very often. No. Because there was something about the party hall that I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel like getting into that today. Because it was kind of dangerous. Yeah. It was like, yeah, yeah I'm just going to stay home. All right. Now, regardless of this, whatever this weird rivalry thing is, within a few months, 
I was becoming more friends with people on the east side, people that you knew, and then we would just be somewhere. We'd be at a party or at a show, maybe at Elsbeth's or, um, you know, like when shows would happen in her, the back room garage thing, whatever it was. Yep. Um, and we just became friendly. And I'm not the kind of person who's going to, like, let it go. Like, right. after that first time, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Now, now that I realized that what I had done, like, I'm going to kill that guy with kindness until he's my bro. <laughs> like... <laughs> Because I didn't dislike or your band. I get so awkward that I just melt. It, yeah. Yeah. Whichever one. Whatever it's going to take. So. I tend to well, get really awkward and just well, kind of close up. Here's the other thing, too. This, I think, is probably what, what we've, we haven't figured out yet. Is that 1007 ended and Red Rocket started. And I was immediately involved with Red Rocket. Yes. For, I was going to, because I had done the 1007 stuff and Matt was singing and playing guitar. But. Eric, who played drums in the Green and Waffle Stomper, was playing drums in Red Rocket. So at the Red Rocket shows, your guys' crew and my crew would be in the same place. And we just ended up having to, probably we just had to get along because we were sharing friends at this point. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, at that one point, Red Rocket practiced at my house and I lived with Brian. Right. Brian, who played guitar for Red Rocket. Yes. Sorry. No, it's good. Brian Renfro. Brian Renfro. But. That house, which we called the Potato Farm, everyone was there all the time. Right. It was, I'd come home from work, be 30 people, it seemed like, sitting on the couch. <laughs> Maybe not 30, it's probably an exaggeration, but it felt like that every day. Did you like it or did you hate it? I hated it. But looking back But I on loved it, it at the same time. Okay, that's what I mean. You, looking at, you're smiling right now. Well, it's, it's not, I'm, it's because I'm laughing, thinking about some of the things that happened at that place. But- like Matt, Matt Matsuoka, we would have wrestling matches there on the floor. We'd get rid of the dining room and just have leg wrestling and all kinds of weird stuff. And he instigated that. Oh, yeah. He loved that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we had one eight by four table that we would run and slide across. Matt Matsuoka, who made me go to judo practice. I had to buy a judo outfit so we could learn judo and jujitsu a few years later. Oh. Yep, Brian was into one of those martial arts and kept trying to like, here, stand there. Let me punch you. No, you're not going to punch me. I'm not going to let you punch me in the chest. They loved that stuff. Never understood it. No, I don't like you, violence you, of any you kind. Don't like, really. I don't think you want to be physical with a person like that. No. <laughs> no. You get weird when someone comes up and talks to you. I do. When you're not prepared for it. Yes. Perhaps grappling isn't your vibe. Well, but, you know, at that point, if I had enough to drink, it was just like, bring it on. Let's go. Well, had enough to drink, Derek, is a different animal. Oh, yeah. That's a di whole different animal. We can animal. talk about that, too. <laughs> I haven't seen that animal much. No, but that, there that was animal's a... somewhere else. It's, it, it's like a hulk that doesn't grow bigger, that just grows dancier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not disagree with that. <laughs> I like to dance when I drink. <laughs> not when I... Not, that's about it, though. There was kind of like a, there was, a, there would always be a lot of like, woohoo, or like, you know, like you, <laughs> so you could sometimes hear that, that, uh, dance hulk Derek was, was already out. If you like showed up at someone's house or at a party and it was that time frame, dance hulk, could, Derek. dance hulk, <laughs> dance hulk Derek <laughs> would, you could hear him from the other room and like kind of maybe Michael Ann and I would exchange glances like, uh oh, here it comes. And then out the door, you come flying with a, you know, a bottle in each hand. With clothes on, hopefully. Not always. Oh, I never... Yeah, it was with clothes on. Or, okay. I mean, if you... If, if, or had, or yeah. boxer shorts. Yeah. Well, that was common, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> so that's good enough. I, yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's, I'm saying that it's we be, we meet in the period between my accidentally insulting your band by comparing it to a fantastic band and us having to be in the same place because of Red Rocket. And I think it could also be that I did not like that band very much. Oh. Why? Well, I was just never a fan. They were good. <laughs> anyway, regardless. That's uh that's not what we're talking about. But since we've pinned it down, we're going to do what we do on this show. And before we get into us, we're going to go all the way back and talk about you. But one more question. Okay. When did you cut your hair? Because I remember you with long hair. I have long hair now. So well, you remember me. I remember with... you with really long hair. Right. I remember you back with the bandana long hair, maybe at Elsbeth's house or something, like at a Link show. Maybe. That all sounds right. I can't tell you exactly when I did it. I had... But you were in Seattle with yes, long hair. Yes. When I moved to Seattle, I had long hair. I always wore a black bandana. Yep. And I... Okay. So it, it seems like forever, but I went... I moved to Seattle in December of 1992. And in June, mid to late June of 1993, I leave on tour with Undertow for the US tour with Sparkmarker and Undertow. When I left on that tour... I had a shaved head that had grown out like a quarter inch that I had bleached blonde in that way that I have very dark hair. So it just right. was kind of like an orange. So I had this like fuzzy orange head. So it's only six months of long hair while I'm in Seattle. Wow. And probably I would say that's probably May before I just go forget it. And I just, I just, and I went from, I didn't get a haircut. I went into my bathroom went. and got the clippers and went bald because <laughs> I, that was kind of. It was either one extreme or the other. The middle never worked for me very well. Oh, I tried it for my senior picture. The uh, middle. The middle? Yeah. It's atrocious. <laughs> me too. It's atrocious. The year before, shoulder length hair, senior picture. I just couldn't, I couldn't get yeah. comfortable with it. And then two weeks later, shaved my head. Really? I'm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so you remember the long hair. Okay. So can we go back now? Yes. We can go back. <laughs> Who are you and where do you come from? Where do I come from? Well. I come from Kansas originally, Wichita. Born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. Kind of a weird place, but really glad I got out of there. When did you get out? I moved from Kansas when I was eight or nine to Oklahoma City. Okay, so... So it's basically the exact same thing. <laughs> Went from one megachurch to another megachurch that were somehow related. Megachurches in the 80s. Um, Yeah. Pentecostal, just they call themselves non-denominational Christians. No, no, did they? Was there dancing and speaking in tongues? No. Oh, there was not. There was just lots of hand raising and so there was clapping, a, and singing, hand raising and clapping and singing, singing, but no one spoke in tongues. No, never. Okay, that's no. probably the delineation. That's probably the thing, the difference between the churches that you went to and the churches that I went to. Yeah, because these were humongous places. So they evolved into, so at some point, Benny Hinn came through on tour and changed all that. Probably knocked a bunch of people out from a distance. Yeah, I don't know. I was never really into it. You know who Benny Hinn is, right? I know the name. Benny Hinn is that guy. I don't know where he's from, um, but he uh, he can he slays people in the spirit and he heals people. He does faith healing. Is he the and one that... He puts his hand, knocks people down. And sometimes there'll be like a whole row of people coming and he's just like slapping them all on the forehead <laughs> and they're all falling over. And then every once in a while he gets like really caught up and turns and like throws it like a fireball at the crowd and it yes. knocks down like hundreds of people. I know exactly who you're talking about. No, that did not happen. There's one here. Okay. 
Here's the thing about Benny Hinn, and I know we're not talking about Benny Hinn, but at one point, there's one video where he throws his hands up and an entire section of the balcony far away falls down and all the people fall down. Think about the amount of planning you have to do. I wonder how much they got paid. That many people to fake it. No, see, here's what I'm saying. They got extra wafers for communion. But they would all have to stay quiet about it. And they would have to be people that other people knew, right? I think Benny Hinn possesses the ability to knock people out at a distance. (laughs) That would be fantastic. He's like, yeah. I would use that now. (laughs) (laughs) He's used it for to make a lot of money. I'm sure. And there's probably a lot of people listening that are like, no, it's exactly what he says it is. And, you know, okay. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It just so happens that he's made millions and millions of dollars doing it. So, you brought up mega churches. Yeah. Well, that okay. was that was how we basically moved from that place to this other place. Oh, you, you so you're in your parents' mind. You were moving church to church. Well, I don't know what it was in their mind. They were uh, a job, dad okay. job, some kind of healthcare so, thing. So when you were in Kansas in Wichita, you went to grade school there. Yes, and you said that you were a kid. Like you said, yeah, you until were third a, grade. Until third grade. And you were a little kid version of the guy that I tried to talk to? Um, well. Did you stand there with a mean face and one end of a jump rope on the playground trying to get kids to play with you? I wish that was the case. No. My, so my first trip to the principal's office is kindergarten. Because I felt as though I got picked on a lot. So I would spend tons of time taking chunks of blacktop up to the top of the big wooden toys. So when... It was recess time. I bolted all the way to the top and would throw chunks of blacktop at kids. That was how you spent recess. Yes. Like like a King Kong. Hoarding like to... weapons. <laughs> oh, I like this a lot. <laughs> and so the, yeah, my first experience was I ended up in the principal's office for... You... Luckily, I did not hit anyone. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Did you, did you smack someone in the no, head? No, you... I probably would have killed them. So luckily, <sighs> I was a kid with horrible aim and not very much power. Now, these chunks of blacktop, were they like rocks or were they big pieces that would kind of shatter when they hit the ground? No, but I remember is they were like chunks of, I don't know, they were probably, when I'm thinking now they were, they were like eight inches, but they were probably like, you know, yeah, a couple inches, but they were just part of the playground where it had broken off. Sure. And uh, yeah, I took them up there, chucked them down at people and then went around with a boom box. Were you picking to Van wait, Halen? Were you? I like that a lot. But were you picking, were you throwing the chunks at specific people who you felt yes. had wronged you? Or yes. it wasn't just anyone that came oh, along? Oh, no, no, no. So Not just anyone. So there could be someone out there who felt special because you, you let them come by. Yeah, and, you know, my neighbor who lived four houses down, and we lived out on a kind of a dirt road, a cow pasture across the street, but uh, my neighbor punched my front two teeth out when I was first or second grade. At school? At the bus stop. At the bus stop. So I was, it was constant. What did, what did you do to deserve that? Well, he said, all he's, I remember, he's like, we're going to play tag. And I said, I'm not playing tag. And he said, punch me in the face, tag, you're it. And then <laughs> one of my teeth was in my mouth and the other one was hanging. Oh. So then I got on the bus and I went to school. With blood in your mouth? <laughs> yeah, holding a tooth. And then the bus driver saw it and took us to the principal's office. The bus driver saw the hit or saw that you had been hit? Yeah, that we were fighting. Oh. I guess you call it a fight. I really just got hit. I've never been much of a fighter. Yeah. Only when cornered and severely provoked. 
Okay. When it's when it's self defense, which so, is so, not very often. So what happened in that situation? At that point, where they're like, "Well, you're the you're the asphalt chucker. You you probably <laughs> you probably the did something." Chucker. No, I honestly, I mean, that was so long ago now. I really just remember that everything all of a sudden was okay. Oh, okay. That's and then I probably had to go home. Did you stay friends with that kid? No, I never really liked him. Okay. So even though you were, you were, he was four houses down, you guys didn't play? No. No, he was older. He, I think he was in sixth grade. Oh, just so beating was, on a little kid. Yeah, and he had a uh, mentally handicapped brother who oh. they would all pick on, and it was constant horribleness, so... Oh, that's well. What a nice story. Yeah. Woo. So I'm glad you moved the hell out of that. Yes. Place. But yeah, there did were... anything else significant happen before the third grade? Uh, well, I got well, I got in trouble a lot. Brought home chewing tobacco. That's my first chewing tobacco. I think it was like second or third grade. Grade school chewing tobacco. I also had the, experience the, with this. The packets, like the skull, like bandit. Oh, the ones or something. that were actually in the little, yes. the little bags. Skull bandits. I think. Are you mm. sure they had those back then? Oh, they had them. So you put the little packet in your lip, and you were... And then I barfed. You're in third grade, so you probably got wicked rush out of it. You threw up. Put it in my lunchbox and brought it home. Then blamed it on this kid. His name was Harry. Now, did you put the one packet in your lunchbox or the whole little tin? No, there were multiple packets. Okay. Because I was going to try this again because and not barf. So you didn't actually pull the sticky chewing tobacco out of... No. Like Redmond, like out of the packet. I have never done that. I did that. Yeah. There was a bunch of us that did that in, in grade school. We were, I think, in the fifth grade. Not good. And then all through junior high, because I was a wrestler, like the idea was that if you had to do chew because you spit and that would get rid of water weight and it would help you make weight. Ugh, sounds terrible. It was awful. Sounds absolutely Believe terrible. me, that habit ugh, was ugh. broken by the time I was out of, out of junior high. Yeah, I think I only ever had it that one time. Oh, okay. And it was... Disgusting. Well, you didn't power through. You didn't get to the point where you could just enjoy the That's weird because head my mom rush took it that you got. Oh, and now she took it. Did you get in trouble? Well, I blamed it on someone else, but, but I still got in trouble. But it was, but you blamed it on someone else, but you really did it. Yeah. So then I got him in trouble as well. How did you get it? It was stolen, right? Uh, I don't remember who gave it to us. It was one of us. They stole it from their dad or something. Right. Because then I can't, yeah. can't go in and buy. Ah, uh, you probably could have. <laughs> really, you <Yeah>. could buy. <laughs> A grade schooler could buy chewing tobacco. I bet you could. It was Kansas. It was Kansas. It was Kansas in the 80s. It was right outside of Wichita, so it was like a weird suburb with a lot of dirt roads. It seems like you could do anything. Right. Kind of a no man's land. But it probably wasn't. So you got in a lot of trouble. Yes. You were used to trouble. Yes. Did you listen to music or was third grade is pretty young? So had, did that enter into it at so all? I'm trying to think. I think that all started when I moved to Oklahoma. Okay, so let's let's. So I had an older brother, two years older. Okay. So it was radio music. It's pretty much it. But the only things I really remember are from Oklahoma, which were, you know, I was there for four years. Well, yeah, I mean, and those are four formative years. If you were there from, so you moved in the third grade or summer after? It was, I believe, it might have been in the middle of it. Okay, so that means you did fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh in Oklahoma. Four, yes. Okay. I might have moved in seventh grade to you're, Washington. Well, that makes sense. So you're so. into junior high at this, and you're so that's that's a big important chunk. There's a move. So now yes. you're the kid coming into a new school. You have trouble. You're you've, you're a a fighter, even though you don't want to fight. You like to get up on high things and throw things. It's more of people. just an ass. You were an ass. I would. I was the kid you that would f- get yelled at for smiling. You felt you. 
that you because were that's my uncomfortable thing someone you get I uncomfortable just, and then you smile I smile and I laugh hysterically because that's my defense mechanism yeah super not tough right I mean <laughs> oh yeah who's gonna oh look it's the smiling kid and so the the you would get in trouble with the teachers or you get in trouble with the kids Teachers, teachers would like be they like, would like, throw like, what do you, erasers. At what do you, you think is funny? Yes, which and would make me laugh even harder. How do teachers not understand that? I don't. Uh, they don't care. Okay, so you come in to this new school with a rep. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> so, what was it like coming into a new school at that age and dealing with new kids? Well, I just didn't like it. I was, I do not like being disrupted. So, but the good thing is, is I did, when I moved here, I, through my parents, the church that we were going to, I met one of the most influential people in my life musically ever, which was my friend Dusty. He had an older brother, two older brothers that were just punk kids. So this is the third grade. Uh, fourth, yeah. Going into the fourth there. grade, you meet Dusty. Dusty's got older brothers who are punks? Yep. What year? Well. 85? Yeah, it's around like 84, 85. Okay. Because I remember. In the middle of the country? Yes. Where, so, were, they, where were they getting stuff? Well, you know, there was Norman, Oklahoma was a big music scene. Okay. Kansas City. Yeah. So the first thing that I get introduced to is, you know, there's Minor Threat, The Dead Milkmen, Uniform Choice, NOTA. All that stuff. It's got to be 85. I'm trying to... Yeah, that that I don't know about, for yeah, sure. Okay. So these are, these are all the things you remember early on. And you heard... You heard hardcore. Yes. Or first. Yes, that's... And, you know, yeah, we we would actually X up. How old? And we had, like, X's on our shoes and... How... So in the fourth grade, you were listening to Minor Threat and Xing up in 1985. Well, on our shoes and stuff. Well, you know, we'd wear you different color okay. Converse and, like, had the... Straight edge X all over them. Yeah. We Grade were, school. That we is, had no idea what we were doing. Incredibly impressive. Though. We had no idea what we were doing. You, did. <laughs> you can't when you're that young. No, of course not. But, but it was we pretty... were under the leadership of the older brothers. And the older brothers were like, you're, you're straight edge. Yeah, kids. like uniform choice, leather jackets, and you know spikes, all that stuff. And then we'd go out. They'd have a skate ramp in their backyard. and Wow. What an incredible influence. Yeah. And, you know, he had a full half pipe. Only, only problem was it was six feet wide so it was incredibly dangerous it was right. like 12 feet tall almost maybe like six inches of vert and then it was just six feet wide or eight feet wide eight, so it was because it because it, it was, it was made so of, dangerous it was made of sheets of four by yeah, eight plywood that's but standard size so dangerous you should you should actually uh go it should be 16 because it should be two pieces of four by eight there was no they, room for that no room for that, right? Or, it was out in the middle of the woods. Or at the very least, if you lay the, the plywood the other way, you end up with a 12-foot ramp. But even that's maybe a little too. Yeah, I tried to drop in once, never again. Dropping it. So as long as people understand, was it from the tail or from the trucks? From the tail. Okay, so you've put your tail at the top of the ramp. Yep. And the coping, did it have coping? It was steel. Steel coping. So it was a steel pipe bolted in at the top of the ramp on both sides. And you put your you put your tail on there, and then you put your front foot forward on your board, standing the way you would stand on a four, and then you lean forward until you until the board goes until out you, from underneath you and well, you slide down on your back. If you lean too slow, <laughs> since the back wheels touch the the top part of the ramp first, they'll roll and you'll fall. You have to go. That you have was to me. Commit 
I did not And you not have to commit. go, you have to lean over far enough that the board, the weight and the gravity pulls you, you fall forward over it. And then your front wheels come down and hit the deck. And then you roll in the, the uh, transition into the flat bottom. And then once you learn to do that, you're set. Because once you can drop in, you can pump on that transition and on the other side gaining momentum and do a trick on the other side yes but i am very lucky i did not make it because it was so dangerous i the reason i went through that is because you say i dropped in on that ramp and there's tons of people that know exactly what you mean and there's a ton of other people that have no idea what that language means but i feel like we've explained it fairly well now it's a big thing. The first time you drop in on a ramp is huge. Yeah, and there was this weird ladder you had to climb up the side. Like this is this is not safe. <laughs> it's like ramps are like forts. Yeah, I had. I even tried like you know starting in the middle of the ramp and like pumping to get some. I don't know how many pairs of pants I lost. Like full on like pockets ripped off and. So you eventually you were able to drop in. Nope. Oh, you never no, ever I never did. tried you it again. You crashed the one time. Yep. Never tried it again. But you know, this is also dumb kids. No helmets, no pads, nothing, and it just hurt. <laughs> you were you were just in your jeans, no knee pads, nothing. <laughs> Maybe a flannel shirt and some jeans and some Converse. Old school. That's just yeah. That's just what we wore. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. That's just it. <laughs> flannel shirt, Converse jeans. Yep. What real punk rockers looked like in the eighties. Um. Like, Yes. If if you had a leather we were just, jacket, we were, I didn't have a leather jacket. I know, but most people. I always laugh when I see an old when I see a show that's made now about punks in the eighties because it's usually they try to show a room full of people with leather jackets and spikes and like piercings in their nose and all the stuff, and it's like, nah. No, there was no. You piercings. might know one person like that, but that you know they, they who knows where they were getting their money to be able to buy leather right but the, his older brothers did have combat boots with you know the tight rolled up jeans and suspenders oh so they were going for like a uh, youth brigade skinhead yes. look but they yeah but without the shaved head okay which was yeah shorter hair but you know I have pictures of them somewhere. I'll have to find them. You brought over. Okay. So you brought over a ton of pictures and flyers today. Which from weird. Awesome. Yeah. From, from weird old stuff. stuff. So there's this, the blog page for this episode is going to have some great stuff on it. Or embarrassing stuff. Uh, whatever. Yeah, it's whatever. all the same. It's yeah. It's all the same. It happened. Can't turn that off. Okay. So that's, a, I have to say that's a real, I feel like if, if that's the music you got into in the third and fourth grade, it's almost like you got into that music before you got into regular music. It was a combination. There was radio music from my brother. And I'm trying to, I can't even remember dates. Like, so my brother was like, a, you know, Mr. Mr. All that type stuff. So I've got that side and then this side. And we would bring things like Run DMC over. And his older brothers would make fun of us and tear them up. And then here, listen to this instead. So I remember going to the mall to buy cassettes from Discord. When they were still the old black. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Old ones. That's good. And I had to sneak. Get... I had to sneak out of step. Was no. Was that? Oh, I'm not sure which one it was in my pocket because his parents were very religious. Right. And the thing is, the, I remember this too with both of those Minor Threat cassettes. Is that they had the lyrics printed on the inside. You couldn't mm-hmm. let your parents hear it, and you couldn't let them find it because every fuck in every song is printed in there, right? Yes. So it was like so much cursing and so and much. Like... We got caught on a regular basis, and then we had to watch the uh, Tele Evangelists. Wait, as punishment. They used watching televangelists yes. as punishment for listening to music they didn't like. Yes. And then we would stay up and watch 120 minutes later, and <laughs> the young ones and all that stuff. Sure. 
that makes sense. But what what in what world do you punish a child by making them watch religion? Like the thing that there's a, a funny one because I look back now, that's some of the best stuff ever. I would never do that to someone, but it's funny. Okay, so I, I would say that of all the guests I've had, you really, other than maybe Soto, because Soto was real young into it too, um, you definitely got a very early dose of punk rock and hardcore, and it, it seems like it got into your blood. It did, but it also left on a regular basis and would come back, because to this day, I still love hip-hop. Yeah. And then, you know, it was just the things, they would make fun of us, and then yeah, I think the first record I ever bought was maybe Tears for Fears. Okay. Or Dire Straits. Tears for Fears is better. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but there's like, that, that was the popular music. Yeah. At the time, like, oh yeah, I'll go buy this record. I think that's all right, though. You oh, yeah. told me earlier you love pop music. I do. I love pop music. Right. It, it's, it brings me joy. See, the thing about it is, is I'm going to theorize that because you got punk rock and hardcore so early... At the same time as you were discovering music on the radio, it wasn't like you chose to replace the radio music and the pop music that you already listened to with this other type of music. You just incorporated all this music into the stuff that you liked kind of in the set at the normal time for people to take the stuff in. Yeah. Listening to Love is a Battlefield and then go listen to something else at the same time. Yeah. Love is a Battlefield is awesome. I know. I can remember sitting in my room listening to it on my crappy little radio. And then singing We Are the World along with it later. <laughs> I do have a cassette version of that. Did, of We Are the World? Me I singing it. No, me singing it. Okay, that is a whole other thing. And I am this high-pitched little kid singing, like doing a falsetto that is horrendous. I have always hated uh, the We Are the World song. Me too. And I still have the 7-inch and a cassette copy of me singing it. That was my first recording ever of myself. So that it's, was, and yeah. you've been recording yourself ever since. Yes. And that was like, I'm going to do this. Oh, I committed. And it's <laughs> terrible. But I committed. That's the point. That's the good thing. Okay. So I think that coming back to the music and the kids and moving to the new place, you had friends now. Yes. You had a crew. Yes. Of guys. Did what? How did other kids feel about you? Your group of guys? I had two different groups. Because there was that, like the punk kind of group. And then there was the nerdy kids where let's go shoot rockets out in the field friends those should be the same but people. they weren't because there was a proximity i mean they i didn't go to school with my these punk friends right i didn't know any any of those kids at school. were you fairly rural you talk about shooting rockets out in the field no, there was just lots of undeveloped land oh, okay so it was undeveloped like suburban land right it was outside like... of this is in uh edmond oklahoma outside of oklahoma city so you weren't like hunting and fishing no you had none of that in your... well i don't i've never been hunting in my life did you know people that did Except stuff like for people that? Oh, please. With our friends. We'd hunt each other and shoot bottle rockets at each other. Oh. <laughs> bottle rocket war. Um, oh, yeah. That was what kind stuff. of launchers did you use? Usually hands. Oh, you fired right from the hands. You would just hold in. Yeah. Um, or throw it. Bill and I discovered PVC tubes were great we uh, did, launchers. We didn't have that. My dad would make us rubber band guns that looked like M16s. He would cut them out and right. paint them camouflage so we could run around and shoot rubber bands at each other. But then he okay. taught us to make bow and arrows. That was a bad idea. Did you shoot bow and arrows at each other? My brother shot one into my sister's leg while she was running away. Uh, did she fall? Oh, it went right through her heel. Oh, it came out the other side? No, just like... It stuck into stuck her heel. into her heel. But I guess I, wanna, I want the vision. I want to see your sister running away, oh. your brother firing the arrow, the arrow hits the ankle, and she just falls? Or did she like hop? Or did she... I want to... Come on. I, oh, man, I can't remember that. Because I would just shoot the arrows up in the air and then run. It's like... 
For me, I think the funny version is the arrow goes into her ankle and then she just goes stiff and just falls straight I down. I know that like, didn't happen. There was lots of screaming, though. Lots of screaming. and It was probably horrible. It was so, a sharpened dowel. Sharpened dowel. Like a quarter-inch dowel sharpened in a pencil sharpener. Let me say that of the possible outcomes that involve that sharpened dowel hitting your sister as she ran away, that's probably one of the best. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hitting the heel. There's lots of meat. And you saw all this. Yeah. Okay, um, at which point did parents or authorities become involved in what had just happened? Oh, it was just, just my parents. You know, it happened, That kind of stuff happened all the time at our house, though. Right, but did they see it? Were they outside when it happened? No. Or did did someone have to go in and tell them that there had been an accident? Yes. And then it was just like, oh, take it out. Okay. Oh, they did, they weren't panicked? They weren't like, No, it wasn't you, like go to the hospital or anything. What have you done? No? No, but we had a lot of that. We, they might have, but I don't remember that. Okay. Yeah, I remember like chasing each other with baseball bats, tennis rackets. And, I have know. to say, for the amount of sharpening wood with knives that myself and the neighborhood kids did, there was very, very little blood or actual injury that came out. I remember getting hit with the tip of a sharpened sword that was supposed to be like a pirate sword. And I had a thin t-shirt on and it caught the shirt and pulled it along my chest. And I actually had a, a, a lightly bleeding scratch across my chest. And that's the huh. worst injury that I got. And we would try to stab each other. We would smack each other. I mean, we <laughs> literally, you know. Yeah, we didn't. We made homemade bows and arrows and fired stuff at each other. And we never yeah. hit. We played But a were game. you trying to? Well, no, obviously you didn't want to actually, but right. there should have been an accident. There should Some, have. We all were running with sharpened sticks yes, for years. there should have been one. We played a game where we fired a hunting arrow, like with one of those hunting tips, with a bow and arrow up in the air and then all ran in different directions oh, yeah, to see if you could do. run away before it came down. Yeah. And we didn't do this once or twice. We did this a lot. <laughs> yeah, see, we didn't. The shooting the arrow up in the air game was a standard game. Yes, but that that was taken away relatively quickly after the ankles or the heel oh, shooting. That's all you need is one actual injury. Yeah, then it's like, nah, okay, go ride your crappy BMX. Yeah, okay. So you got into doing that? Well, I was yeah, it was a little bit of everything. Did you went, did you skateboard? I did, mainly from uh, my friend, Dusty. It was his, they had that pipe, half pipe. And... Yeah, of course. We were talking but, about skateboarding already. I'm but sorry. I didn't I don't have a I'd... real skateboard at that point. That's Okay, so that's, I guess, I, I got caught up in the... Um, in the dropping in thing that yeah. I did. I might have had what one of those little banana boards. You were running a half pipe with a banana board? No, no, board. no, no. When I actually owned a skateboard, the first one I had. Okay. There's, I I can't remember. They had gators. They had all kinds of stuff. Right. If if they had gator, they, they had high-end skateboarding gear. It's a Vision Maybe. gator is, a, yeah. is pro-level gear. Right. But so did you ever get a good skateboard like that? I did when, uh, so we moved, well, this is, we came to Seattle to visit my cousins who had never met before and they were really into skateboarding. So we went to, they took us to time travelers. Mm -hmm. So I bought my first deck and set the whole setup at time travelers downtown. Time travelers, which was on second Avenue. So do and I went I over can't, this. I can't even remember it now, but I mean, it's, it's changed so much down there. There used to be a parking lot next to it, which is now developed up. So it's yes. almost impossible to recognize the building that's there. I've tried to find it. I'm like, no, I don't even know. I found it on Google street view. Oh <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I bought a Christian Hosoi. Your first hammerhead real deck was a Hosoi hammerhead, uh, which he it had... was gray yeah. and pink. Was it Hosoi skates or was it through Alva? I, mean, I think he had a couple of different oh. deals through different companies. I don't remember. All I really remember is my brother got one as well. And he liked the gullwing trucks. So mm -hmm. that's what I had to get. 
you had to, you started with gull wings. Yes. And, and then know, all of my friends are like, oh yeah, haha. They're like, they were in their you know independent that, shirts. Yeah, there's that and face stuff. that you make when you say gull wing. Yeah. Like it's it's automatically it's, you they can were sneer terrible. as you're saying it. The, now let's the just early say this, ones. Though. I did not like them. But gull wing was the terrible of the of the acceptable. Yes. Because there's gull wing, tracker, and independent, and thunder, and ventures. Thunder. Thunder trucks. I don't even remember those. Were good. They were. I think Indy made them. Hmm. These were all good. Ventures broke. People liked Ventures for some reason, but they broke. Hmm. Um, but they they started getting better as as time went on. But seriously, the classic. I mean, I feel like you have to go with the classic. You have to go with Indies. I had no idea, really, though. I'm in this like, whoa, look at this place. I'm in this big city for the first time ever, and then well, it was big compared to where I was from. And then you walk into Time Travelers, and it was like, whoa. Amazing records what the on the hell wall. Is this place? t-shirts that you've never seen? I bought a. It was like I can't believe my dad is letting me come in here. Yeah, the first thing I bought at Time Travelers was a Minor Threat seven inch, the last seven inch, the uh, Salad Days one, the Salad Days seven inch, exactly, and a Sid Vicious before and after t-shirt. It had a, nice. a picture of Sid Vicious and then a picture of a skeleton, and the T and after was a hypodermic needle. And my parents let me buy that. Huh. At Time Travelers, probably a weird. We could have been there on the same day. That was the one and only time I ever went there. <laughs> nice. I don't know how long it was there after that. Because, so this is when I was still, what, sixth grade maybe? Right, so you came out just to visit. Yes. We were here for two weeks. Two weeks. And then you went back. And yep. was everyone just disappointed then, with being there after you went back? Oh, I was so depressed when I went home. I was like, this is terrible. And I think the whole family kind of felt that way. And then my dad got a job up here, so we moved here. So was he, was he like, putting in applications, like, behind everyone's back while he was here? Did you not know that that's what he was trying oh, to do? I have no idea. I just know we had never met this entire, my brother, or my dad's sister and his entire family, who were the cool family. Who were like, oh, they ride skateboards and all this good stuff. Yeah, I was severely depressed. I'm like, I have to go back there. This is awful here. And you got to. And I got to, yeah. How much time from the visit to the move? It was probably a year and a half. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah. And so you think you were severely depressed for a year and a half in the sixth grade? Sixth well, to seventh grade. Not for that long, but for it took a while to get over it because I'm like, I'm missing out on all of this good stuff. Okay. Do girls come into the picture with you? Uh, always. Always? Yes, from a very young age. That, okay, so you had a thing for for the ladies. Yes. Uh, when you were throwing the the asphalt down on people, were you throwing it at girls? Of course not. Okay, because you no were, one does that. You might if you were because there's that whole thing like you hit the girl because you like her, you push her down because you like her that people supposedly right. did. You weren't that kind of guy. No. Did, no. No. I was extremely shy. Extremely shy, but you were. You but I read, I had a box of notes from these girls forever. Grade school notes? Yeah. From girls? Yeah. So the girls were responding to you? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Hold on. This is another side <laughs> of it. So you were, a, you were a little grade school Casanova. I think You were so. a little Rocky Votolato. Probably. Do you remember any names? Nope. Did you kiss a girl in the playground? I did. How old? Uh, what? Probably second or third grade. Second or third grade? And it was a big deal. Oh, it was a huge deal. Where were you? And then that was it. Now, were, did, how did you guys decide to do it? Were there people daring you to do it? No. Not that I remember. No. You just walked up because you saw a movie Note, the night before? Notes exchanging. Because oh. I remember I would watch her. She was the, uh, what was it? Maybe 
three or four bus stops ahead of mine <laughs> where she would get off and I would just watch her. Oh, <laughs> wait, you'd watch her walk <laughs> from the bus? Yeah. So you, so let me. And it's also, it's really small. So no, I know, each other. but when you got on the bus, that means you had to pick a seat with a window on a certain side because you'd know that you'd be able to watch her from there. Yes, but I, I don't really remember ever really being that excited about it on the bus. Okay. But it's, it's so long ago. But I remember certain things. Uh, do you remember the name of that girl? I don't. You don't. I remember where in proximity to that house I lived in where it was. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. And so th- this is something that continued, you would say, your whole life? I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I was known as the uh, the kissing bandit. I would kiss two people and never talk to them again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, up until like a few years ago? <laughs> up until I got married. Is that is that it? Up until you got married. <laughs> okay. So so you didn't so that that way you looked at me when I walked up and tried to talk to you. That wasn't how you looked at girls. Or was it? And was that what they were responding to? I think that is how I was. Because I mean, I didn't know April. I knew April. Votolato. Okay, so for years, who she was at least. Right. But I never talked to her. She had to actually talk to me. Okay. Before we actually even talked. So you were just a weird guy that wouldn't talk to her who was who was when she came around you were just kind of giving her a weird look like like you had an eye on her. So she knew that you had seen her, oh, yeah. but you she weren't going to talk her. She knew that I knew her, her friends. Right. Yeah. Okay. I was just that guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you guys, uh, is there anything more significant about the middle of the country and the mega churches and the shit you got into there that we need to talk about before we get you to Seattle? Only, I mean, that's where I got my start playing music. Oh, that's where you got, you actually started playing music there. Yes. How? Well, in the school band. Okay. That's like, I mean, that's, I mean, I was, that's a whole different story, but I wanted to play the violin because a girl that I liked played the violin. Parents wouldn't let me because it's too annoying. And then I wanted to play the drums. Right. And they wouldn't let me. Because it's too annoying. I ended up playing the trumpet because my brother did. I got a crappy used trumpet and he got a new one because I got his old crappy one. You know how to play horns. Yeah, I could pick it up and do it again. I haven't done it for a long time, but I could play almost every brass instrument at one point. Why weren't you in a ska band? Uh, I never really enjoyed that. (laughs) The whole ska thing happened and you are a guy that can do the horn and you didn't do it. That is true. Yeah, yeah, no. Never had that interest. By the way, uh, the fact that you can play a trumpet and uh, I'm assuming other horned instruments may, that's now that's in the vault here because I may need you at some point. Okay. So okay. That's, it's good to know. Yeah. And that's what got me interested in playing bass was my friend Dusty. Uh-huh. They had a drum kit. If I could find a picture of it, I was looking for it. It has a big X on the kick drum. And we'd sit there and we'd try to play minor threat songs and weird stuff. And it was awful. It was terrible. Yeah, Mother Threat, who were qu- quite technically proficient. Oh, yeah. It's we, a really yeah. good music. And it was more it of is. us, like, on the bass, like, dum, dum, dum. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, playing like I play now. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, so they, he, that is why I started playing the bass. Okay, because of the... Trump- because of, no, because of my friend Dusty. Because of Dusty. And they were, his brothers, you know, they were playing, they played drums and bass. And so they had the bass over there, and you'd pick it up and put it on, and be yeah. like, hey, how do I do this? This is mine. But you had some, a little bit of musical experience with learning. Yes. And my mom was a pianist in the church, so I knew how to read music early. Oh. But I'm more of a memorized. Did you take piano lessons? I did in college. Okay. But your mom didn't teach you piano. Uh, no. 
I never went to a real piano lessons. Okay. But she taught other people. Yes. And my sister took piano lessons, but I never did. Okay. No interest. But you learned to read music. Yes. In band. All right. So that happens, and then you move to Seattle. Yes. And so you come to Seattle with punk rock background. You're a lady killer. You're a kissing bandit. <laughs> you uh, you definitely will get in trouble. Like you're just this. You're this is yes. all around trouble making kid. You're into skateboarding. You've got your you've got your hasoy. You're ready to go. You're going into the eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. And you didn't move to Seattle proper. You moved to the east side? Yes. Okay. Well, when we first moved here, we were renting a house um, right by Factoria. Okay. That's east side. Yeah. East side south. Yes. And then we ended up living, I think that area is called Woodridge. I okay. that's what it is. But anyway, we ended up living in a house that was there as well. Just down right along 405. Right. And that's not the potato farm. That's later. No. That's later. And then from there, you know, that's, that's when I did all of that. Going to middle school and stuff. Well, now you're, it's a third time you're coming into a new group of kids in another part of the country. Yes. And this had to be significant. It was terrible. It was terrible. So tell me about it. And the only person I still know of from that school that I went to is Jeff Warner. Oh, he okay. went to He went to that school. But this is the first school when I met a couple people. Jeff that, Warner, who is who's also an Educoral. Yes. And he, he is. plays in a band right now, and I feel like an idiot for not remembering it, but I see it on Facebook all the time. I just don't have it off the top of my head. Oh, uh Riot Radio. He sings and plays guitar in Riot Radio. I haven't had a chance to see him live, but that's Jeff Warner. I have not heard it. Okay. Well, now we have something on our to-do list. Okay. So I met a couple of people there that were on the metal side. Okay. So we started and I I guess this is where I get my first bass guitar. I was bribed by the band leader to play a baritone. I don't know if you know what that is. It's no. kind of like a big brass instrument. Okay. It still has the keys. Right. It's like a, not like a tuba. Okay. So in exchange for switching instruments to that, they gave me this like three-quarter scale bass that looked like an SG. They just gave you one well, to, to take it home? Yes. And you could keep it? I had to give it back eventually. Okay. But they were like, hey, go ahead and take this home and play with it. Yeah, and I had it for years. Okay. Yeah. So and that's... so you learned to play bass on that thing? Yes. And, and it, it was a terrible bass. Yeah. But I wish I had it now. Because <laughs> for the for the memories of it? Yeah. Uh, did it rattle? It had this... It did. It was terrible. And it had this weird little like uh, sticker cross on it. Of course. Because like... through your whole thing, like, yeah, he's there watching. Yeah. <laughs> But so that's how I got my first bass. And then I ended up meeting some friends and then we actually would get together in his parents' basement. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of, it was more of a crawl space. It was just dirt <laughs> <You> got- <laughs> with plastic. And his mom would actually let us play. So we would go down there and play Iron Man and weird crap. Well, that's cool. Well, at that point, seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Because we were actually playing. And so was, everyone had their instrument. Yeah. And it was, oh man, I wish I could have a recording. It had to be terrible. But it was still, there was guitar, drums, and bass. Right. And that was it. No one was doing the vocals? No. And we had to have, we probably played that song for four or five hours at a time. I don't know what other songs we played. Under the House, Unfinished, Crawl Space. Yes. You you probably had to duck down. No. Oh, no, it was tall. It was was huge. Okay. But you're walking on plastic on dirt. Oh, yeah. And it was just kind of dank. Sure. It's like, hmm. Everything's bad. It's just... So, yeah, we would go skateboard, and then we'd go in and... And then play. And play, and, and then, then... His mom would give us wine. 
His mom would give you wine. And then we'd play Excite Bike. So, eighth grade, you're playing Black Sabbath songs in the unfinished under part of the house, and then you're coming up for lunch, and the mom, but the single mom who's no. allowing this. No, no single mom. Okay. I'm sorry. I was no. adding some details. The wine the, was an evening thing. The mo- she Okay. She wasn't giving you guys when the wine. We, when till... we were spending the night. Oh, man. Okay. That's cool. That actually was more common back then. Yeah. I guess. No, it wasn't. Um, okay. But I grew up without alcohol in the house. Okay. So was this Except the first... from when I was a little kid. My was dad had Was this the beer. first drinking that you did? Oh, no. Oh, no? When did you start drinking? Well, we would, you know, my friend Dusty would steal a, a Coors or something. We would drink a beer oh, in beer. Oklahoma. It didn't have any effect on you? No, we were sharing beers. I mean, it's like, right. eh, But it was is... just to be bad. Ah, I think it was just to do it. Right. It's like, oh, let's drink a beer. Okay. That's not very good. Okay, let's drink it anyway. Yeah, it tasted awful. <laughs> yeah, but par- parents were more. I, I, you know what? Maybe I don't know that they're more apt than now. Maybe they do do it now. No, maybe they do give kids alcohol now. But I definitely they were the cool parents though. Yeah, they also these same people also led me to the first real concert I've ever been to. Okay, you which know was that's an arena a question show that I ask. Your first concert was an arena show. Well, the first, yeah, the first secular. Okay. I, lo- I love that you said that you used that word <laughs> because you had seen bands perform in mega churches, oh, yeah. which is like a concert. Well, yeah. Oh, no. I'd actually seen bands. Oh, what were they? Like uh, Striper? I never saw Striper. Okay. Bloodgood. Um, wow. Blood- DC Talk, the Christian yeah, rap. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen them okay. many times. Okay. But yeah, it was still in a church, but it was a, it was a concert. So we're going to have to call it your first. But you, okay. But my first Here's real Here's the thing, thing, though. When you go see a band play at a church, you're still going to a place that you're used to going to. It's yes. common for you. So it's kind of like something happening in your house that, you know, it, it's not the same as going to a, an actual, your first concert. Right. So your first secular concert was? Cinderella Winger and the Bullet Boys you, at Key Arena. That's excellent. It was that horrible. Is... Long Cold Winter Tour. Might have been 89, 88. I think 88 is probably better. I'm not sure, but they're the cool parents are the ones that took us. Okay. The ones that also ate the wine. Yeah. Cinderella, Cinderella, Winger. And the Bullet Boys. And the Bullet Boys. Okay. You know, this is around like Skid Row time, all that weird stuff, which for some reason I liked for a little while. Some of it I still do, actually. It's kind of like weird pop metal, but I hated that show. It was the worst. So you you weren't even excited? No. Like the next day, they were hoarse from screaming. And you were just like, I'm like, this is the worst. They tried to get me to go to Poison after that. And I turned them down. I'm like, I'm not going to that. But you were a kid who was listening to Minor Threat in junior high. A couple years later, going to Key Arena to watch Winger is not going to do it for you. No, no. But it was funny for the theatrical part of it. Right. But yes, it was not my thing. (laughs) I kind of wish I would have gone to see Poison now, though. On that tour. I don't like know right around that time, right yeah, around they, 88. They tried to get me to go to that and they came back with guitar picks. And you know, I was like, okay, yeah, so that doesn't do it for me. The guy that, that I did the skateboard shop with went to that show. If I remember correctly, he went to NXS and he went to Poison. And I remember he came back and was like excited about the Poison show. Hmm. Um, and there was a pro skater named John Grigley who had done something, some artwork for them or something. It was really, I hmm. remember, I remember there was a brief period of time where we were all like, is Poison cool? I don't, I don't know. Is it? And then I think it was a resounding no after a while. Oh, now they're awesome, though. I suppose. Look what the cat dragged in. Yeah. Weirdly, I felt like, okay, so skaters were really super into the cult and anything that had a cult-like vibe. So 
I knew dudes that were really into the cult and really into like punk rock. And then they were also really into Gene Loves Jezebel. Because those dudes had like the, they, they kind of looked like maybe they were like Ian Asbury right. or something, but no. <laughs> so the cult. So the cult. I remember I was supposed to go see them with Metallica. Ah. And I didn't go to that either. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to that. That was uh, when Sonic Temple came out. Maybe. I think that was. I, don't know. I could be wrong. I've, I, you know what? I say things like this. And then like, like the last episode with the Van Halen conversation we tried yeah. to have, we just screwed <laughs> everything up. So I could be totally wrong. But so, yeah, that, that show, I remember, I remember the piano, white grand piano lowering from the ceiling on one of their songs. I don't, not a Cinderella fan, but it was just, I will forever be in my brain. And it was a spectacle. You I mean, didn't was, go see White Lion? No, no. That was. <laughs> okay. So you, the theatrics of it appealed oh, to you. Oh, the sound fantastic. of it you thought was awful. Well, the music was bad. Yeah. It's Key Arena. It's, it's hard to see good music at Key Arena. Yeah, it's like going to a gym. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not and made for music. you're sitting on the bleachers on the side yeah. looking down at it. It's not made for music. I recently saw Foreigner, Night Ranger. No. And, oh, God. At see, the casino? I wanted to see, I want to say Survivor, but I, I don't know that it was Survivor. No, at Key Arena with a bunch really? of my clients' coworkers. It was a few years ago now, but wow, that was something. And I saw Smashing Pumpkins there. And the shows, the actual sound of the show is awful there. Awful. You pay a lot of money to see to sit far away uncomfortably yeah. and see something at a bad angle with horrible sound. Yeah. I bet it maybe it's good right up front of the stage. I, no, it's not good anywhere. It's not good anywhere. It's not even good on the stage. No, let me tell you something. The, the best show I ever saw was in a garage. The best show I'll ever see was in a garage. So yeah. I think it gets worse from there as you get bigger. <laughs> Okay, so get from that to you have to move at some point. You have to move to the potato farm, right? No, so I'm still haven't even gotten to high school yet. Okay. So then I go to high school, but we moved again to basically the Bellevue-Redmond border. Okay. Right along Lake Sammamish. We were renting another house there. My dad had gotten laid off, sold everything, sold the house. We were renting another house. Okay, but you weren't going to leave. You were still near family here, so you were staying in the yes. Northwest. Yes, so then... I go, and we, my parents wanted me to go to Bellevue because my brother went there. So I went to Bellevue High School. Okay. Knowing no one when I started. None of my friends went there, which was odd. Okay. They all went different. Different schools. Yeah. So I get there, and it was a little bit of the same thing. They had a smoking section when I started there. It was still the time when, even though it wasn't totally legal, there was still a spot where kids would go to smoke. Yes. And every right once in a while. Outside the door. On school grounds? Yeah with, like, yeah, with like burn bins to throw your butts in. Oh, okay. Ninth, that was, that was much, ninth grade. That was much more advanced than we had. Like, technically, you could go smoke, but every once in a while a teacher would come out and bust people just so that you wouldn't know if it was going to happen. I'm pretty sure there are teachers smoking out there, too. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a much more, I guess, progressive or regressive, whichever one. Yeah, it would but be. it was that one year and then gone. Right. Some parent caught on. Or... Well, yeah, it's awful. So then what? Okay, so once the smoking area was gone, where did kids go smoke? Oh, across the field. Across the field. They or, yeah, get... And we had an open campus. So you could walk. You could go anywhere. Okay. We were right, you know, it's right downtown Bellevue. Right. So you could walk. They'd go over to, uh, what's that store? It was a 7-Eleven, I think. Short little walk. Stand around out there and smoke. Yep. Okay. A lot of, lot of good times standing yes. around outside a store smoking. But this is, uh, yeah, I'd actually, yeah, quite a not, bit. Not very straight edge, I would say. No. I was no. <laughs> to someone, but you were back in the old, in the day. That didn't count. That didn't count because you didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. All right. <laughs> but I loved, you know, we loved the idea of it. 
Right. So that didn't last very long. Right. I moved to Washington and got totally screwed up. Met lots of people I shouldn't have. You met lots of people you shouldn't have and you got totally screwed up. Yeah. And so I'll, let me get, what do you mean by that? You start smoking weed? Yeah. Eating boxes of Dramamine. Eating, oh yeah, it gets you messed up. So this were also, the connections were at church. We, you, oh, your drug connections were at church. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, wait, hold on. Did you do Robitussin? I never did that, but okay. I remember all those kids in high school that did from Lake Washington. Right, and then they it started. It got out in the news, and it, people started getting freaked out. I think they pulled it for a while. Yeah, and then then you had to maybe get it from behind the counter or get it from a locked. Yes, yeah, there was a little bit of everything. <laughs> so you you were always weed, a church acid. kid, weed and acid. But th- th- those things that you were getting, weed and acid, you were getting them from other kids in the church. Yeah, it became your place to get drugs. Yes. Well, we would, my parents would drop us off and then we would walk off somewhere else and then we would do our thing, uh-huh. whether it be, you know, smoking, whatever. And then we would come back to church and get picked up to go home. You didn't actually go to the church, but uh, you didn't go to the sermons? Well, I did. I got, but we got kicked out many times. I was removed. <laughs> and there was, so was it, was it more just a way for them to get you out of the house to get time away from you or? No. They they really thought we were going to church. Okay. But really. And this is you and your friends. Me and my sister. You and your sister. But you were meeting up with friends up, there and then friends. they would provide the... Do you know where people were getting stuff? No. <laughs> Somewhere else. Some some kid. PK Park. PK. <laughs> PK, a notorious park where yes. troubled kids Peter hung Kirk out. Peter Kirk Park. In Kirkland. Yes. Okay. What was this church that you went to? What was it? The name of it? Yeah. Overlake. Overlake Christian. I think The it's... one that used to be by um, Michael Ann's old house. Her right. parents' house. There was Overlake Christian, and then it moved... Uh... Down into the big, weird valley. No, I don't know if it's still there. I don't know. The but pastor it... got involved in some it had quite... bad well, stuff. See, these they get all Icarus, right? They fly too close to the sun. Is that Icarus? Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. And then they, they crash down. Yes. And then what are you going to do? But um, it's amazing to me. I know a lot of people, and I'm assuming quite a few people who end up being on this podcast, have some interaction, has some time spent at that Overlake Christian. Oh, yeah. And got themselves into some trouble there. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. You being one of them. Yes. Okay. So was that your introduction to drugs? Um, a lot of those people were. Yes. Because okay. hey. I, was, I was never really... But I still, to this day, I cannot, I hate drugs. I just don't like them. Right. Even though I went, I went through some bad times with them and I hate them. Right. I hated them then. Okay. And I, for some reason, I kept doing them. But drinking was your thing? Um. Well, it was a combination of both. Yeah. They kind of went together. Yeah. So you're, you're meeting these people and some of these people now, you those they're your friends to this day. Yes. Okay. They so are. so this was a, this was where you were starting to really get roots with people. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And did you stay in that high school all the way through? Yes, I did. Okay. You went to Bellevue High all the way through to the end. Yes. Um, and you, at some point you start playing music there. I did. I did my first band in high school. We played one show. Okay. It was called RMD. That was our initials. And it was this, <laughs> this you did, What did you guys say that it stood for? It, that's what we said it was. It was our name. Oh, you didn't come up with any no. other names oh, no, along no. with it. And we only played one show in Matt Matsuoka's parents' house. You did? Yes. With the big Washington State flag on the back. Sure. We used, it was with Warm Fuzzy. Warm 1007, Fuzzy and 1007. And we used all of Warm Fuzzy's gear because we went to high school together. 
Right. So we knew all, all of us knew each other. Okay. So RMD. And it yeah. was terrible. I think we played one song for 15 minutes and then that was it. I can't even remember what it sounded like. This, except for the guitar player, it could just shred. Oh, you had a good guitar player. Yeah. And you were playing just, bass. Yes. And you were just poorly. <laughs> and then our friend was playing drums. Okay. Yeah. It was bad. Absolutely terrible. But I remember that <laughs> show start vividly somewhere. at Matsuoka's parents' house. Well, you'd have to. It's Mats- behind the church. Okay. When did you first meet Matt Matsuoka? At that show. At the show at his house. I believe so. Tell me how it happened. First impressions, what did he act like? He was a lunatic with the video camera. And there were people like flying. He was all over the place. And I really, I remember that flag and just complete chaos. This, I But th- I was also in this like, where the hell am I? He had a Washington state flag that hung on the wall. And then I believe they took it down and laid under it like uh, for the happiness breakdown seven inch. I think for the cover, oh. I think it's that flag. It's one of these things. I mean, I might have, I'm it trying right. to remember who was in the band. Was that, uh, Jeff, so Jeff Ganson. Yes. I remember Jeff. Oh yeah. We're looking I, at I, the cover of the happiness breakdown seven inch, by the way, available in the nobody's knows store. I, uh, I own this. And that's the flag they're hanging out under. I think that they're doing their version of a who picture. Yes. Oh, yeah, because you've got Knowles. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's them. <laughs> you've got you've got uh, Drexel, Drexel, Knowles, yeah. uh, Ganson, and Matsuoka here. Yes. And this is from that time period, I believe. Yes, because, you know, we had K, what was it, KASB? Is that what it was? The radio station at Bellevue High School? I don't know. So that's where I met Sam Jane and all those guys um, from Link. I mean, they were all worked at the radio station at Bellevue High School. Well, God, okay, so you're like in 1991 now. Probably. Matt in high school, you in high school. Was Matt in high school at that point? He was probably already done. You're right. Because he was. I'm not sure how old Matt is, but I think when I met him, he was already He's out my of age or he's a year older than me. So you're right. That that makes sense. Matt I was thinking Matt was He was whatever. just this guy. This crazy guy. Crazy dude that was Oh, hello. Oh shit. <laughs> hello, this... Michael Ann. Well we've <sighs> Okay, long-time listeners of the show will recognize what just happened. Uh, we, we've been avoiding this for a while because we, we didn't put a, a, a sign up on the door, but we've had good communication. Michael Ann has uh, basically opened the door and come in on the recording session now. Oh, uh, sorry. The, Do you guys want some lunch? Uh, that's a really good idea. Come in for a minute. Come in. You're you're here. So we're going to have to... Okay, pull up, pull, pull up a seat here. You're going to be talking in this microphone Sorry, with Derek. I, I didn't realize it was recording time. And it, uh, yep, it's recording time. <laughs> and, uh, so the reason why I think this works is because you, we're kind of at the, at the time, I think, where you two probably met. You knew yes. Derek long, long before I ever did. I don't. I don't need to be a part of this interview, though, because he, he he can he can probably say very embarrassing things about me. Lean in a little bit. <laughs> so uh, so it's I've already gone there with myself. It doesn't so matter. For if if anyone Talk about wearing a bikini yet. No, stop it. If anyone no, doesn't know. We did not get to that yet. What we're talking about. Um, I live with Michael Ann. This is her house. She generously allows me to record this podcast here. And uh, every once in a while, we've had her on the show uh, because of these exact same situations. Um. So, except for with a ram she sat in the whole time. So I can't let this go. You know things about him. You just said, did you get to the part about the bikini yet? He was never going to tell me about a bikini. I have photos. Oh, that's even better. Those will not go up 
<laughs> on the internet. It, it would embarrass far too many people, if not just yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when did you guys Never meet? happened. Michael and we he talked about uh, getting drugs at church. Well, that... It, how funny that you mentioned that. That is how we met. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, Katie Vantine's older sister and Katie used to go to this church. Yeah, I was leaving everyone's name Yeah, out. let's not oh, incriminate yeah, people. Those <laughs> no, are people no, no, that went to the church. No, no, that's how I know I they not, went to that church. I did not name one person. That's how I went because I didn't go to the church. They went to the church. <laughs> Sorry. And I used to go to the church with them. I'm not incriminating them. I dropped I dropped Peter Kirk. That's all I dropped. Pe- um, he said, so just so we understand, he talked about bad kids from PK. Essentially, that's kind of what you said, right? Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks. Just so, just so everyone's clear. The people Derek's referring to is Michael Ann and her friends. <laughs> yep. So, Michael Ann, you were the bad kid from PK. Yep. And you didn't last no, long in the I church, right? No, I was not right? a bad kid from PK. I was a very good kid who just happened to hang out at Peter Kirk Park and sometimes take the bus into Seattle and go to Teen Feed. Okay, I would say that... <laughs> I never did that. <laughs> I would say that most people... So you probably or went, shows, you probably or went to Teen Feed with Damien because Damien oh, brought yeah. up Teen Feed. I knew Damien already, yeah. So... uh <laughs> We're going to pause for a second. You're not a, most of the kids that hung out at PK weren't probably actually bad kids, no. but he was talking about perspective. Now, yes, perspective. He absolutely. also talked about Overlake Christian Church, yes, which, which was I know you at had the same time as PK. You had a, a, a short little bit of involvement there, which came to an end pretty quickly. Only a few times did I go to the youth group sessions, which is where I met you and Andrea and all those people because Katie and her sister were going to those. Okay. And so it Andrea? wasn't really about drugs, well, it, it was for me. Well,. I'm not going to go there. Anyway. <laughs> but you you had to um, stop going, right? I did have to stop going. There was some sort of discussion at some point about Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, something to do with horns and devil tails. That's every day. I understand. But I didn't know that this is what church was like because I hadn't been to church ever. And so <laughs> at least not like that. And so literally I was sitting in there and totally floored. And I believe I made some sort of comment question and was drug into some counselor's office and they were like who the hell are you and why are you here and you don't have parents that attend this church and you're never allowed to come back here and they took a did, they, they took a they photo took a of me and there was a photo of me so that they would know that if i ever came back to youth group i, I was not allowed to be there this <laughs> lovely loving church exactly. this girl is not allowed to be saved no nope. here's one that needs our help here's a picture don't let her through the that door that happened to me at target <laughs> Not a bad comparison. <laughs> but Derek, at Target, you can get useful things. Oh, I got tons of useful things. <laughs> yeah, so that was my first, that was the first time that I met Derek. And I believe you said probably three words to me and that if was that. it. If even that. Maybe there was a head shake of well, hello. Yeah. And I have to say, I just feel that it's probably good. It's probably good for a church's motto to be, this one would be hard. Let's not try. <laughs> Yeah, I think I questioned something about the bad stuff they were saying about other religions. And sure. Stuff. Yeah, because I just didn't understand if you're a God-loving person, why you would have any problem with anyone else who was, you know, looking for their God. But they did some really fantastic things where they would have it's about people share. bring in like metal, like Slayer albums oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And then just talk how bad it was. And I would just take it. <laughs> wait, wait, you would steal the example music? <laughs> what would like parents bring in their kids records or something? No, kids. Why would you bring in a I Slayer no record idea. to church? Because it's funny. For attention. Rain in blood. I was going to say rain in blood really seriously. 
<laughs> they don't have to go any further than the cover, right? Exactly. <laughs> Which I believe I drew that face in high school all the time. And it, I had the nickname Satan for a while in high school. I would just do that. Just to... Justly deserved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I met you. Yeah. But I knew your sister before I ever knew you from hanging out at the McIsaac house. There's like all these weird ties that lean us all into like McIsaac knowing each other. House. Yeah, come on, Jeff and Jamie McIsaac. Reason for hate, all those kids, old school kids. Yeah, two, two minutes, minutes hate. hate. Yep, all that stuff. Now, Weren't you in that band? For two minutes. <laughs> you were never, the, never played a show. Just you practiced. were the two minutes. Yes. And I hated it. Why'd you hate it? Because it's two minutes hate. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah, see, that yeah. was a. I tried to do the thing here, but it didn't come through. I was trying to, you know, get It was that. absolutely <laughs> insane to be playing that music for me, though. It was so fast. Yeah, but it's not like out of your purview or anything. No, but I felt like a horrible musician at the time. It was like, oh, jeez, oh, I can't keep up with this. Do I really want to be here? This is weird. Okay. So was that your second band? Trying to think. How old was that? How old was I then? I was like 16, 17. So you're what, a year or two older? Well, I'm trying to think. I so was 15. I, did... I don't know. I don't think I could drive. I know I couldn't. Dave Crone had short hair in there. So, so that, like, when did he cut his hair? I can't remember. So I don't meet you for another two or three years. And I don't meet you for another one or two years after what we're talking about right now. Oh, yeah. At least. This super predates all. The, well, it's, it's when the firehouse and stuff is starting to come about. But before it's the firehouse, before it's any of that so, stuff. So there was also, there was Orchard Manor where we did one, well, that was when Narcosis, was it Narcosis or Rikki Tikki Tavi at that point? Jeff Mays. Okay. And so, Jay Ford from Point of Interest. Yeah. Point of Interest. Yeah. So that, this is Orchard Manor? Yes. Yeah, so Tell was, me who's in Orchard Manor. It was Jay Ford. Okay. Jeff Mays. Okay. Jeremy Green. Jeremy Green. And myself. Right. And you guys are? We practiced in my parents' garage. Now, Jeremy Green is, uh, aren't we supposed to, we're supposed to say Jeremiah. Sorry, Jeremiah. Sorry, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. <laughs> who I ended up? Who not... ended up in Modest Mouse? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I used to have to pick him up because he couldn't drive. Right. <laughs> That's right. Because he was younger than but I was. He was. Like I was in. An, I was in time. another band with Doug Lynch. But wait, wait he was in BFE. Were you in BFE with Doug What's and that? Adam? Doug was playing drums. Yeah, and Adam Green, Jeremiah's brother, was playing whatever bass. What oh, I can't bass, remember. It was like Stalefish or something weird. That sounds right. Stalefish sounds right. And then there was we pe- never played a show. But then there was peeved. I was peeved. not in peeved. <laughs> I was not in peeved. <laughs> okay. But you're in Orchard Manor. Yeah. And you played one a show. show. You played one show. At the party hall. At the party hall. And with Undertow. Getting out of the car, Jeff slammed my hand in the door. Nice. And so it was awful. I couldn't even move my fingers <sighs> to play bass. We played maybe three songs. Orchard Manor. Yes. At that time, I'm feeling like you guys had to have a lookout with a no. bit of a DC oh. vibe. Complete DC. Yeah. Complete DC. Yes. Okay. When I met Derek, that's yeah. all that you But when really I say lookout, I'm feeling like, like Monsula. Because Monsula yeah. has that kind of yeah. thing. But okay. So so it's a real DC but as thing. A lot of like Jay Ford was very, he was like Mr. DC. Yeah. Mr. Punk Rock. So that should have been, you guys should have stayed together and been one of the big bands in the area. No, I think we were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> to start. Oh yeah, we we had a bad start, but and then it just kind of stopped. Right. Um. Now, were you at that show? Because I know Michael and you would come across to the party hall sometimes. You know, I have no idea because that was my life. My life was literally going to shows. That's all we did: a house show, a show in Seattle, a show somewhere, Big John's. Well, that was before Big John's. But, yeah. You know, shit. My first house show was a Poison Idea show. That was my first show ever. Was a Poison Idea show. That's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> like house. thirteen. I don't know how old I was. Oh. So the the party hall, we bring it up, but this could be the first podcast anyone listens to. It was this old rental hall 
in what was at the time a pretty rough spot of Seattle at a time when we still had if you're on the East Coast, forget what I'm saying. It's not a rough spot. But for everybody else, <laughs> like this was actually a rough, you know, this was a central district. People get mugged. People get jumped. For Seattle, it was it was rough. Yeah, it was for what we spot, had. Yeah. For East Side kids, it was rough. It's yes. completely built up in condos and it's, oh, yeah, it's it nothing like now. that anymore. The, none of these spots exist. Now you got to stay away from Bellevue. That's now you got to stay away from Bellevue. <laughs> okay, great. <Listen. laughs> Why? Because because the rich people's security will take you out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but the party hall. I remember being so sketched out driving across that bridge and coming over. I had no idea where I was, and everyone just said, "Don't whatever you do, do not walk to the store by yourself. Don't, Don't walk go to the anywhere. store. <laughs> Don't be outside. It's dangerous outside. By the way, when you're inside." Don't touch anything. Yeah, you might get scabies. Yeah. You will get scabies. <laughs> Disgusting. That rolled up the, carpet back there, don't touch there's it. There's carpet and mattresses, and it it's all along the back, and if you lean on it like it seems like you could do, oh, you're going oh God, home. Oh, God, it gives me the willies right now. You're going home with bugs, and we would cram into that space and watch amazing bands. Jawbreaker, Jawbox, the Undertow, the stuff you're talking about, like Born Against. Born Against, yeah. You, were you at the Born Against nope. show? Okay. I wish I was, but then I'm glad I wasn't afterwards. Right, because oh, there was yeah. a gunfire outside yes. and someone yep. threw a brick and hit someone in the head. Yep. At Stole that the cash show. box. Yep. And so, yes, this was all the place we're, we're talking about right now. So yeah. this is, so Orchard Manor, Peter's out. Yeah, for some reason. Not sure. And was it the, right after that that you started the green? No. I might have been, I was always the uh, replacement, <laughs> the fill-in bass player. Hmm. So we ever... I did that with Ricky Tiki Tavi. Oh, okay. Was Lex sang for so, yeah, I played at Newport High School's, like, what do they call those shows? Like, the variety show? Yeah. Where there was, like, smoke machines and, like, ice, and you'd, like, just run out on the stage. I think it was Ricky Tiki Tavi. Okay. And I filled in with them on bass all the time. Every big show Chris Cole missed, I filled in, and he hated me for a long time. <laughs> so you were just waiting, and you were to be called up. I just got called up, because and you I had were, a bass. You were never in 1007? Uh, no. Okay, that was not. That's surprising. I know. Did you never, you never played even one show? In 1007? Yeah. No. Oh. Dave did. Dave oh, Ford. Oh, maybe that's Dave Ford, who plays music with you now. Yes. Okay. So, so let's, let's, so we're going to get into the green. We're going to do that stuff. Do you want to stay in here for a little while? Is it, will, will you have some stuff I, that you can Will I have anything to add? I have, well, I'm sure I would, but I don't know if it would be anything interesting. <laughs> so far, you've but, added great stuff. Well, it, like would be, bikinis. it would be. Yeah, in, but that's a later conversation. It might that's be, not, that's a story it right might now. be embarrassing, but at some point, um, I did. you did say you were going to make us lunch. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think when you came in, I just want to remember. Did I, Yes, I like, did say that. Okay, so that's. So when we're done with this, we get to eat lunch. Yeah, you do. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it won't be the first or last time I fed either one of you. No, but this is, I just, I feel, I feel very rich right now. This is, (laughs) okay, well, hang out with us for a little bit more. Okay, fine. We were talking about Cousin It. Yes. Do you remember that show at Bellevue? Yeah. Bellevue YMCA? Yes, the Bellevue I saw them. I think I might have played with Ricky Tiki Tavi there. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, their bass player, Miles, then... (laughs) Quit the band. And a name I haven't thought of forever. Miles Montgomery. Yes, whatever so, happened to him? <gasps> he went on to some like Terra or something. Oh. I don't know, some other band. He um he quit, and then they asked me if I would come practice with them. Cousin It. Yes. Okay. And then that was the beginning 
of that band and you, with me in it. But you had to change the name because when a member leaves, the name has to change. Yes. Okay. Well, and that was a bad name. Yeah, terrible, terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> it was a look. It was a bad name unless your goal at the time was to get on shows with sweaty nipples. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sweaty they were nipples. Actually, really entertaining. And they watch. really were. Right, but they that's the awesome. point, though. Like, if you go to a sweaty nipple show, of course, cousin, it's the opening band. <laughs> That makes sense. It may not make sense what you guys were trying to play, but yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so, but that was a big shock coming into a band playing music like that. They were very uh, sub pop influenced. Were. Okay. Yeah, yes. which is not where you'd come from. No, not at all. No. Okay. Yeah. Which a lot of it is where the music went like a left turn. Because when I first met you, you it was so all you just by the way, and... you just thumbed to the right and said left oh, turn. Oh, well, that's right. And then, no one then I, I... Did it. then I did it this way. I'm like, wait, because <laughs> you're gonna smack Michael hand. right in the boob. <laughs> yes, par for the course. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, so we did play some of the same songs as cousin it. Yes, some and of it... the same songs they did, and then we just started writing new ones, and eventually. Now, who were these guys? The guys in the band. There was Eric Freidenberg. Which is really the reason why you and I became friends. At yes. The end. Eric yes. Freinberg, who later played uh, drums for Red Rocket, like yes. we talked about. Yes. And there was Ben Davis, who went on with Dempsey. He 1007. played in Dempsey and he was in 1007. Yep. Anything else? Oh, I'm sure other. I'm, sure. I'm sure there was other. Danny stuff. Adamson. Danny Adamson. Who played in a lot of bands. And he plays in a band now. Yes. Yeah. What? It's a. The Not It's. The Not It's. The Not It's. Okay. Yeah. And I was there. <laughs> and, and, and you yes but these are all people these these people i don't know where ben is right now but this is also a key time but these are this people is that when stayed. i met dan Gallucci. okay mm-hmm. and you met another reason why we were became friends because good I was friend friends dan Gallucci. Yeah. yes um he's a one of those glue type people yes which is very cool it connects a lot of different people together mm-hmm. but up to this point you've kind of been talking about people that weren't part of the story that weren't part of the scene the way yes. we were part of it but this band is full of people who were continuously involved and and all of these people connected to other people that we we're all friends with and it became part of like I feel like it's part of the storyline up till now even if we yes. haven't heard from Ben for a long time you yes. know what I mean it's like mm-hmm. absolutely like we, we you know we're still running into these people you know so yes. it's it makes sense now so it's you're now into the 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 storyline this is yes. where this is where the friend the group of friends becomes solidified is with this time period of the green and all that kind of stuff and the firehouse is starting to happen yeah yes the east side is happening Mm-hmm. You guys haven't maybe there hasn't been a lot of crossover into the Seattle hardcore. There's probably still some rivalries well, and some weird of undertow, but that's a, yeah. I mean, we played with undertow all, all the time. The time. Right. That's how I know but, you John know, and all those guys. Yeah, that's uh-huh. we're all friends. Yeah, because friendly, seat- friendly. But remember, there was weird. There was kind of a weird thing for a while. Well, between... for me, if I could walk up to them and say, "Hi, how's it going?" And we talked to each other. That was a friend at that point because I was like, Ugh. "Right." Yeah, Derek didn't talk to anybody. No, I don't know. We we've been through how we ended up <laughs> dealing with each other. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, but I mean, like, he just went. <laughs> I, I, I'm. He just went like this. I walked to say something to him at the firehouse about the band I was playing, and he just went. Kind of got a scared look on his face. But it was a little bit like more judging. Yeah, I've seen that look. <laughs> I, don't, I don't judge. That's a that's great radio right there. It's am, it, it actually is amazing yeah. to know how how shy you actually. Oh, 
I still are. am. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm incredibly shy. Because to me, you're not. I mean, you're not that. Oh, yeah. Then you forever. And then you know me and the switch turns and, and watch then you out. Stop, don't, don't ever stop talking. <laughs> well, we <laughs> talked I remember about, it was hard to become We talked about when he was drinking a lot and I referred to him as um, Dancing Hulk Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but it's, it's, it is it's it is that time period. That's when everything solidified and everyone becomes super good friends. And, you know, we're we're all mobile. We all, you know, can go out and do whatever it is that 16 and 17 year old kids go out and do. Go to, go to Denny's. Go to Denny's. Denny's. Sherry's, Sherry's. In the middle of the night. You guys spend morning, a lot of time. Smoking at... cigarette after cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I mourn the loss of that experience for kids well you know that is that is exactly where the two of you actually got introduced once you dave and i met you know do you remember that at the sherry's in redmond but we already knew we knew each other other, but you like you say we weren't friends like all of us in the scene the scene was way too small everybody knew who everybody was what we figured out i hadn't actually ever really been introduced together right and like that's why you and and derek weren't great friends because it was all periphery like no we weren't great friends and there was always that thing hanging over our heads of the whole supposedly i dissed the green by saying they sound like cracker bash we went over this earlier Oh, you already (laughs) went over this oh yeah yeah we went over the meeting before we went back but then the thing we determined that was once red rocket happened and their drummer was playing with matt that was the we we were in the same place enough times that it was just like whatever like, oh, that, we, that's true because Matt really is the link for all of us without Matt around we wouldn't have met a, t- a ton of people actually. but with a lot of those people once you and I connect Michael right, and then, then all these other people were like all right he's gonna be around whatever we'll have to put up with him so that's, that's where we kind of become friends <laughs> and it is yeah, amazing that the two of you actually started hanging out after that because the first thing he says to me is he looks over at me and he goes seriously we've been in this restaurant five minutes and the guy's already asleep sitting up in the booth <laughs> Because oh, that's what okay. happened. He fell asleep in the sh- in the booth because it's like three in the morning or whatever. Okay, this is pretty good. Uh, I do remember this, and this was one of the first times. How you can and you I remember? You were asleep. <laughs> it's not you. you okay, um, so I worked graveyard, and this was you living in I the worked, apartment on, in the U district. Correct? Yes, I was in yeah. the U district. Already. Oh, I wasn't working graveyard at this point, no. but I was. But basically, I would burn the the candle both ends. I'd have a record project coming out with excursion or something, and sometimes I would be like working crazy on stuff and. So at some point we end up at a show, I'm sure. Sherry's in Redmond. Probably after, after a live show. After yeah. a show. Yeah. And I'm just completely beat. And we're sitting there and we're doing the thing. We're hanging out, we're drinking coffee, whatever. And I, as I'm like to do, uh, just <laughs> fall asleep sitting in the, in the, in the booth. Some things never change. Yeah. I am comfortable. Okay. Okay. There's a G- Jimmy Eat World song. I fall asleep with my friends around me. It's the only true. place I know I feel safe. Okay. That's me. Like if I can fall asleep sitting with you guys, you guys are having a great conversation or whatever. Yeah. So apparently I was asleep for a little while and then I woke up and everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been hearing about this ever since it happened. It was it was like literally we were there for five minutes, for five minutes, and you were already asleep. Like, this is my best friend I'm about to introduce you to. <laughs> oh, cool. You brought the guy that sleeps. <laughs> Who I already know. But not yes. really know. <laughs> That's the thing. It's so weird that that scene back then was such a small scene, like, you know, we're all hanging out with everyone from the plan and state route. Like, that's our crew, right? And then all of a sudden, there's you and these hardcore kids around more and more and more. Not just Undertow, but more and more hardcore kids start right. coming around to the east side. We're going to shows at Big John's house. There's this weird meshing and melding of two scenes. Which didn't always go smooth. No, it didn't. Especially with smooth. the hard dancing. Yeah. That was when <laughs> it started to be, you know. Because the east side, I would say, was more was more pop and more, like, 
emo-y kind of like, you know. It, well, we had more connections to that kind of stuff for sure. Right. And I think that the, I think that when bands like Undertow and the hardcore bands that, that were getting into like Earth Crisis and everyone was into the kickboxing thing, when you'd have that show with the mixed bills where it was like a poppy band or tennis seven and were Undertow. a couple of fights. Yeah. Then so there'd you, be. And I did that on Windmills and kicking and all this stuff and. You get to the East Coast and these kids are still kickboxing. Like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> wait, wait. What is it? I can't remember what the bands were, but I mean, it was touring with, I think at that point it was Waffle Stomper. Yes, it probably but was. Being on the East Coast, up in like. You're saying, why are you still doing this? Stop it. And they're still. No, while a we are playing. Or more of serious. No, while we are playing. Yeah. Oh, because people hadn't figured out that it didn't really work during. <laughs> and yeah, we, we played with hardcore bands. It was like, this is. Right. Well, it's kind of like a variety show. After sure. a while, like early mid nineties, like 93, 94, 95. I mean, that's all there is, is, is like, there's no like breakup of the scene. It's hardcore and pop. It's all right. the same. Right. I mean, you were playing shows with face to face. Yeah. I mean, but that, that was, was at least awesome. closer. Yeah. That was at least closer, but still, that's still verging into the hardcore scene. And all the hardcore kids would come to any show that there was to go to because there weren't shows like there are now. Right. It, it took a few years week. before the scene strat, yeah. I stratified or something. I don't yeah, know if that's the right word. True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally We're going to just say that's what it is. <laughs> but yeah, the Stratified. Seattle scene back then was way smaller. I mean, we, we had to go not, you know, it wasn't like we just went to Bellevue to Ground Zero and to the Redmond Y. We were going to or shows. Zones. It was Zones. Zones. <laughs> or at high school. At arcade. Or random Bless parks. Bless Kate Becker for doing that. <laughs> Wait, Kate, so Kate Becker was Zones? I think she did Zones as well. Yeah, Kate Becker's responsible for many, many things in all of our lives. It's true. I don't think any of this happens without Kate Becker. No, because, no, because we're not the little kids. I mean, we're the we're the kids making the music, making well, the scene for them, not me, because I, I'm just a, hanging like around. The East, but... side, the East Side connection doesn't really happen as much without Kate Becker. No, well, but it, it was there before her, and then it, she built it into something, because we were doing shows before she was ever there. Yeah. Just not as good. No, just oh, not as right, good. Oh, right, right. You needed someone to come in and say, hey, here's how we do things. I mean, <laughs> and shows were house shows. I mean, we were going to house. That was my first show ever was house show. So, Do you, you remember know. what house? No, I couldn't even tell you where it was. I was probably 13 years old. All I know is I got in a car and it felt like I was driving out to the boondocks. <laughs> I'm sure it was somewhere right in the city, but it just felt like that. But God, going to Beth's at that age was like going to, you know, the middle of nowhere. Now, where Beth's Cafe, and they probably allowed smoking then. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Beth's Cafe is still there. I think there. you had to smoke. It's on Aurora. <laughs> yeah, it was by law. You had to if hey, you went in the door. I was in Beth's uh, a little over a week ago. And I can report for the first time that they're actually attempting to make their food better. Oh, well, wh why would they do that? <laughs> right. What I've been telling people for a long time is that uh, there's literally nothing that tastes good on the menu at Beth's, not even the coffee. And I love it. What and is it, like a 42 egg omelet or something? There's some, there's some big no, but stuff. but I think they... it tastes good if you're high. Well, that, I don't there's remember, a lot of people that are high there, but they, I went in and ordered a grilled cheese which I will often do because at least it's something to eat while you're while you're there, and uh, it's on better bread now. And they 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 told me they were actually improving the menu. Wow. Are they losing business? I don't know. It was it it was the best. So it's not about the acid trip ambiance anymore. No, I, I think without that they don't have Best Cafe anymore. <laughs> because so because if there's no pictures on the wall, come on. So if you haven't ever been to Best Cafe, if you're from listening somewhere else, or if you're here and you haven't been there, you really ought to go. The whole the walls of the entire inside of the place are just covered with uh, paper, white like printer paper that people have drawn with pens and pencils and crayons whatever tripping thing you know they were tripping out on <laughs> literally or, everybody who was on acid in there and then they put up and it's constantly changing and evolving and putting them up on the walls and it's a lot of fun and it's that's the or the disgusting of the place 
Well, disgusting, whatever. I yeah. But in the yeah. mid nineties, when you were young, it was so awesome. Listen, we don't say, "Hey, let's go have a nice meal together." I know, let's go to Beth's. You right. go to Beth's because you're trying because to because it's to three Beth's. in the morning, and you you're like, "Where can we go?" It's three in the morning. <laughs> For me, I go there. I, I I go there because I like to be. I find it easy to be creative there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I happen to not be with all that artwork. <laughs> yeah, and people talking crazy all around me, and there's weird. I don't know. It's it's like you're sitting, like you're right in the little eye of the storm. If I'm in there alone, if I'm writing or something, it's just the Beth swirls around me, and yeah. that is great. So, okay, so let's move into. You're you're in the green. Yep. Have you put out a record yet? Like what are, are you rec- when do you guys we record? Maybe let's see. The first thing I think it was a uh, cassette. We might have done it at Electric Eel. Okay, that's because right. it was super cheap and that's all you can really afford. Electric Eel. You scraped and, your money together. Yep. And did I don't even have a copy of that cassette. Oh, I'm sure I do. Maybe. I can't even remember what was on it. Don't tell me. I'm gonna um, go look for it when I leave. Yeah, here we to used to, we would made those cassettes and we would go down to the Kirkland waterfront, any really anywhere, and just try to sell these tapes to people coming out of these bars that did not want us to Wait, you actually tried to sell the tapes just to random people on the yeah, street. That's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, let's what, go down, down to the, the waterfront. <laughs> no, down to like Kirkland waterfront. Oh, it was nice. like, oh, let's go sell. And every once in a while we sold some. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Like at the park to just randoms? Like full on, like down by where all the bars were. Yeah. Okay. So you always take advantage of someone who's been drinking. Oh, that's a, oh, wait. Derek, life lesson number one. Always take advantage of someone who's been drinking. If you want to sell them music. <laughs> right. But that's it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Yes, we have to stay that you're right. It's just musically. Um, I, I did not say that. You did. <laughs> um, okay. So this was not the tape that Montawoka played for me. Ooh. Were there two recordings? That was probably the seven inch that we did. We recorded that somewhere in Bremerton or something in a cold, freezing cold garage about this size. Like you see your breath on like a half inch tape. Okay. But I think that's the seven inch. Right. So there's so that, that was afterwards. That was there's after an initial the recording and then there's a seven inch. There's Yeah. There's two cassettes. And you guys of, did a lot. You played a lot of shows and you toured around. We did. You actually left the Seattle area. How many times? We did one full U.S. tour. You did a full U.S. tour as the Green. Uh, I believe it was Waffle Stomper then. Yeah, it was Waffle Stomper. Oh, okay. So Waffles. What because was the? So what happened? We was... did the West Coast, and into down into like Utah. Oh, that was so much fun. Because I actually <laughs> was went that with took you. Michael was that with the Green then? Uh, no, that no, because it was only. I'm the trying to remember because you. you know when Ben left, we changed the so name. It was the three of you. It was just you, Danny, yeah. and Eric, and me and Michelle. Yeah. Driving around. <laughs> yeah. Random. Fun times. Oh my God, that was amazing. That's where we met Jason Farrell, though. Yes. Amazing. Okay, so stories. There. The mention of Jason Farrell. It is important since there are two significant Jason Farrells in our world. That's true. This is Salt Lake City music promoter Jason Farrell. And it was ni- the summer yes. of 1994. I know that for sure. I thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I graduated high school anything. that year. You guys so. went and got in some kind of trouble at the temple. Oh, no. Yes. Well, we didn't get in trouble, but Derek caused a little scene at the Mormon temple. <laughs> they have microphones. Okay, see, you just said no, and then Michael and, and then now there's something. So well, I, that's what so you're here for, Michael Ann. There's Thank this you. giant room with the Jesus with his arms out. Yeah. And I don't know. Was stars? there art? There's, there's, and there's, there's art stars, like, leading on the way or yeah, something. Yeah, there's a lot I of weird know. paintings around this dome building. Yeah. 
and there's microphones. And, and we'll hold off the start off though. We 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 walk onto the grounds, right? And it's us. We're dirty. I mean, Derek stinks. Oh yeah, I was Derek like crusty. So I was so crusty. Gross. Derek and Eric, Adam and Danny, and those guys. And Pete was with us, wasn't he? I don't know. I think he was. And uh, Peter Goldstein was with us too. And so so immediately we are being followed around by. by we have a tail. Yeah, we have a tail by some Secret Service Mormon person or right, whatever. Right. Okay. So yes. like like seriously, they're gonna tailed. cause trouble. They're gonna cause trouble. So yeah. Then you just go follow ahead. the stink trail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So follow your nose. We're up in this place, and for some reason, I don't know why, I see a microphone. Huh. Why would that thing be on? Well, let's just pick it up. Hello, this is God. <laughs> and that was the end. We were escorted out. We were escorted and it, out. <laughs> and you said, hello, this is God, and it amplifies through oh, yeah. the, the whole, Mormon temple. Yes. The whole Mormon temple. By the way, this is Salt Lake City, so this is the, the Mormon, Mormon temple. Not, it was not the no, temple. we're not oh. in the temple because we're not allowed in the temple. We're not No here. one. Yeah, you can't yeah. go oh, in the temple. Yes. Okay. It's the surrounding buildings yes. you can go in. So we're in like the public, like where okay. you can and visit. And I believe we went from there to the Tabernacle Choir. I'm pretty sure, yes. Where we had a full security detail around us <laughs> yes. and we have pictures somewhere with them i do i have it we made them take pictures with if we us. can find it i know i have them. okay so but it was not a very proud moment and then i believe i was jumping up and down running because <laughs> you were like because you didn't know it was going to be amplified <laughs> you, you got a little nervous hey, hey why didn't you go check check doesn't isn't that what people do someone would do that but you, seeing a microphone in a church, would just grab it and say, hello, this is God. Yes. And I'm pretty sure I was the one egging and on. I'm pretty sure. I'm like, do it, do it, do it, do it. Come on, do it. It was funny. It was. Okay. So, I won't ever do that again. So by the way, Michael and gets people kicked out of churches. Let's just say oh, that. Oh, damn. I didn't know I had a theme going. <laughs> I am proud of that, though, if that's what you I You should go. You should go to hang out with Scientologists now and save them from that bullshit. <laughs> on the same thing as the church. I know um, I was removed from church once for wearing a, a Martha Splatterhead accused shirt. Oh. They did not like that. The artwork or did it say anything on it? Oh, it was the artwork. Okay. Yeah. It's Martha Splatterhead. Yeah. Cutting somebody's head off or. <laughs> right. Yeah. They tried to make me change. I wouldn't. So I went back. It was a, It was actually at camp. So I went oh, back wow. to my suitcase, got some wine coolers, went out in the canoe. <laughs> That's all I could get my hands on. Uh, Bartles and James, or I don't. Probably it was disgusting. I drank a lot of wine coolers in high school. Junior high, I just remember high school. I and I did well. I mean, I had like a fifty-pound suitcase because it was twelve or so wine coolers in it, and three packs of big red gum to cover it up. That did not work. You were going to church camp. Yep. So you thought, I need some booze. Yep. Booze and cigarettes. <laughs> oh, and cigarettes. Yep. Hey, uh, how did you how did you get the coolers? Who bought them for you? A person. My manager at the time when I was working at Burger King. <laughs> yeah. My first actual job ever was Burger King. And your manager would buy you alcohol. Yep. Miley. What was the first place you By the at? way, I worked oh. at a Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, when I was 18, and yes, there was an older person that worked there that, yes, would buy alcohol oh, for yeah. the younger people. I think this is actually part of that minimum wage job thing that people do is that whoever that loser older person is that works there, they're definitely going to contribute to the delinquency of the younger oh, people yeah. that they work with, their younger coworkers. Oh, I think it's mandatory. Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. we all became those older people at some point in our lives. Well, I no. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I didn't okay, you contri- did not. contribute to the de- <laughs> I did contribute to the delinquency in high school with my friends when I was already straight edge and I would drive them around and help them go on the beer run and yeah. I just made well, sure they got where they needed to go. Well, you yeah. you were the safe person. Well, we had the, our yeah. we had our Matsuoka. Yes. Yes. Oh, but, Matsuoka. Yeah, could we had buy. we had Matsuoka. Yeah, absolutely. he was the gallon of old, old crow in a measuring cup. Yep. Oh boy! Wait, wait, wait! Explain that. Explain Matsuoka with a gallon of old crow and a measuring cup. Well, he would show up. You'd lay on the ground. He would fill up the measuring cup and then dump it in your mouth. Uh-huh. This was a we thing. We did this often. Yes. I'd wake up in a closet with my feet uh-huh. up in the air, and and normally like, we'd have done something wait, just stupid. The night now before hold on. Too. Did he put you in the closet? I don't know. You don't we know don't, how you we got don't know in the how closet. We'd end up places half the time. <laughs> Matsuoka said, "We're gonna drink tonight. Lay down, and then we would all and... sign the bottle." Uh-huh. Was there a name for this game? Uh-huh. Matsuoka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the first—I mean, this is this is this, this was part of the course. The first time I ever met, really met, and hung out with Matt, I had to drink him under the table. That was the rule of the. But we that's why Matt—that's why we, Matt yes. likes you so much to this because day. I drank him is because you actually outdrank Matt. I did. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do know that story. Mm-hmm. In fact, we recorded a podcast where that story was told and it was unusable. Oh. Uh, so the podcast that went up with Matsuoka is just me and Matt. Oh, yeah. You actually right. um, came in on the uh, the first attempt. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So no one heard that story I told just now. But yeah. And so Matt was our over 21. We weren't, we were like, oh, yeah, what, he 17 would, or yeah. whatever, 16, 17, 18, who knows? Yeah. So he was our supplier of the old crow because that w- he only bought what he wanted. He almost never got us what we wanted. Oh, no. It was no. just cheap crap. Yeah. Awful. Terrible. It was fun. It did the job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All so right. This. So... And so that's how I believe bikinis became uh-huh, a part of the conversation. What was it with that you guys on the crow. east side taking all your clothes off all the time? Oh, and we would play, we would play, um, we would play, what was it? What did we play in our underwear? What was the game? Hide and seek? Was that Well, it? hide and we seek. We did play yeah, hide I mean, and seek in our underwear. They would um, find people on the roof. Yeah. No, it's something like anchovies or. No, uh, oh, wait, there is some. Yeah, I don't know that? what it's called. It's you, you cut that was sardines. 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 Oh god. Yep, that was right. it. Just... So we, and we would why we would do this naked or in our underwear. I don't know, but we totally would. No one was ever fully naked. Oh yes, they were. Not 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 you perhaps, but <sighs> yes, there were people fully naked. Oh. Yes, yes. There were. When you think about when, <laughs> when you when think you, about the group, you can when figure you go out who through was. that group of people in your mind, you can just check off boxer shorts. Naked, yeah, and you probably that's Brian Renfro, boxer shorts, <laughs> Mickey's wide mouth, <laughs> yeah. All right, so, um, ping pong balls. Was it? Was it? Okay, so was it while Waffle Stomper was away that Matt actually ventured out in his first filmmaking career yes. was and that made not on that? Tour? That was when no, that was when we went to uh to the face to face show in Salt Lake. Oh. Oh, the famous face-to-face show in Salt Lake. So you guys are away. Oh, you guys played the face-to-face show where someone got stabbed or got the X the carved, X. In, yeah, something like that, yeah. carved it, in their back. It or was something. at the fairground. It was so huge. And that was when we were playing that weird circle game. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna look at you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> My, for those who, for those who can't see what's happening, Michael Ann just tried to get Derek with the classic, "Hey, look at this," and then you make the little circle okay sign, and the person looks at it. Michael Ann. Um, he didn't and, fall and the it. best part is, this many years later, she completely failed because he, he knew exactly what she was doing. That was a huge thing that entire day. Oh what my do you god! Do? What do you, Charlie huge. Horse the person if they you yeah, hit him? Just hit him. Yeah, you just hit him if they. Okay. Yeah. And I, I would try to flip Unless, between like, the eyes. I can't remember his name. The bass player, face to face. He was guy. really good at. 
Yeah. Stabbing the circle. Yeah. Because like, oh, if you stab the circle, then it does. And then they, then they he gets win. to hit you yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you guys were playing with those dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> Look, face to face at the time was an awesome. amazing band. Yeah, they were really good. We're oh talking God. about "Don't Turn Away" era. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. So anyway, yeah. the people that were left behind ended up making a horror film. Which I've been trying. Don't go into the kitchen. Called Don't Go Into the Kitchen, <laughs> which right. I've been trying to get my hands on. And I think it might be in Matt's tapes. I think Dave Ford might have it as well. Dave Ford is involved. No, was it Matt's movie or was it Dave Ford's movie? It was Matt's, I believe. Okay. And this was a, hey, we got really, really high. We're going to make a horror film. We didn't do drugs. <laughs> no, no, no. You guys were gone. That's true. It was the people that were left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, probably drinking. But it was uh, Matt then actually went on to make a couple of movies and inspired me to make my movie. So he definitely, this was a good. Those you were know, fun. <laughs> this was a good part of our of our history. God, back at the dirt farm, that movie was made. The dirt farm. Isn't that what we were called? Or was yours just a farm? Well, it was a potato farm. Oh, when we yeah, found the potato rotten farm. potatoes. Never mind. The dirt farm's a different house. But wait, wait. No, hold This wasn't happening not... at your parents' house while you guys no, were on no, tour. No, 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 no. That's a that... potato farm, right? Yeah. The yeah. potato farm is your parents' house, Derek. No. No. It's down the street from my parents' house. <laughs> about three blocks. <laughs> okay. But it, it, the what? house was identical. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was weird. weird. Yeah. So then... When does Waffle Stomper end? Because the green ends when Ben Davis leaves. Yes. And, he, and Dempsey, Mark moves away, Dempsey breaks up, and Ben moves. So So that would have been 93, probably. No, it's later than that. No. When Waffle Stomper ended? No, no, no. When the green, when the green becomes oh. Waffle Stomper. Oh. It's like well, well, then it's not because Ben Davis left. He left the band, perhaps, but he was in 1007. Yes. Right. Yeah, That's when we just changed our name. Okay. So then you guys become Waffle Stomper. Yes. And okay. then, you know, we did the one U.S. tour. Some other weird West Coast stuff. And what's the furthest place away that you guys played in Waffle Smoker? By the smell of his clothes when he came back, I would say Florida. <laughs> um, uh, what's under Maine? Somewhere. That area, huh? Yeah. New England? Yes. Okay. Florida, Louisiana, whatever. Flo- that's not the same. That's the same coast. Well, I'm thinking like as far as furthest away. Okay. So you went, you went all the way down there. How, how are the shows? Interesting. Some of them were actually really fun. A lot of them were very poorly attended. Right. Some of them were, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> well, you guys were able to continue going. You were oh, making yeah. enough money to oh, yeah. buy gas and yes, but not really eat. Right. You know, Taco Bell. Taco that kind Bell of stuff. on tour. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, we uh, we'd get free beer from some people. Eric and I would consume. And you're um, driving around in the gi, aren't you? Yes. Oh, that big, best... Yeah, we had the gi. We, we the... called the gi. It was a big black van. Big black van? You called it the gi? Yeah, it was totally gutted. No was it... No headliner, nothing. Why was it called the gi? <laughs> because of the, it looked like the A-team van, and it had yeah. the big brow. So like, gi <laughs> from Fugazi. It was okay, okay, okay. We were just going to let that sit there and let people figure it out. It was the big brow. You named your van after his eyebrows. Yes. Yes, that's they well, did. That's in that's my opinion. God, okay. and there was a loft in there. Yeah, we built we built a loft. We did some tours earlier in like a van and a truck that was that was yeah. horrendous. So then Danny bought this van and it had the constant heater on uh-huh. or it would overheat. So we're driving through the middle of like Yuma Desert, heat on, melting your shoe, your shoe's wrapped in a shirt. You know. All the windows are open. <laughs> oh, it's like 180 degrees inside. Oh, yeah. But that's the stuff that builds character. Absolutely. You survive that. Yeah. You're almost all totally naked and sweating. And there's always well, more like, people than they're in the band. In I would the have like thing. these weird hairs and Adam would be picking weird hairs off of my body. Oh. Like, oh, here's a rogue hair. 
I'm going to pull that off. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Like, that was awesome. Like, just like animals grooming each other. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, God. And it, it smelled like a, a fucking pig farm in there. It was just disgusting. And don't touch the socks. Just no. don't yeah. touch the oh, socks. We threw Adam's socks out the window. <laughs> and I believe a PJ Harvey tape. <laughs> but, Interesting. So this is around the time I also... So I'm working at Cellophane Square. Yep. So I was surrounded by music all the time. Right. And I uh, took this, it's funny, not DJ Kiyoki cassette, which was just like crappy rave music. And I would, we would be in random places, kind of, you know, enjoying ourselves. And I would put that cassette on and it would drive everyone crazy, except Adam. (laughs) (laughs) And Eric started to like it. So that was kind of like, at that point though, we were at the farm and we had a broken D10 uh, old Roland keyboard that would just, yeah. you'd hit a bunch of keys and it was almost like it was circuit bent and it would just make these horrendous noises. Okay. That was the beginning well, this of is the where, end. And the beginning of the end, meaning of Waffle Stomper. You could see where you were going. Oh, yeah. And I was they going, couldn't see. I was going noise. Yeah. Right. So a broken keyboard and a weird cassette tape that you took on tour throws it all out the window and for you. Being, and you just, I don't even know how long we were gone. For a long Six time. weeks, seven yeah. weeks. It was so a long you went time. crazy and, and never fixed it? never fixed it <laughs> you know <I> mean, <laughs> so yeah we had our that was very we had some trying times okay as everyone does on tour right yeah. when you're cooped up with the same people did you guys break up when you got home no we uh, trying to remember when because jill and i started dating i don't remember but basically we came back not too long after that right before the cd came out i think so right, you broke you, you broke up right before the CD came out. Always because yeah. bands way. have to do that; they have to wait until the label puts a whole bunch of money out. At least you didn't out. put that one out. But no. that was that was <laughs> hair hurt though. Yeah. Oh, so it was you. Yeah. So you. <laughs> wow. Well, you it was Danny it. and Adam. Right. <laughs> so they were putting it out. <laughs> so. Okay, buy this CD by this band that is. You'll playing. never hear and that I'll never see live. I recently found it online. Someone put it up there two years ago. The the CD. The whole thing. It's good. Oh, oh, you can actually hear you it. Can, yeah, you can download the whole thing. All right, so Waffle Stomper ends. And yeah, so I quit the band. You quit the band. And then Eric, at the same time, had wanted to quit, mm-hmm. and we'd actually fought about who was going to say it. <laughs> you so guys good. argued about who yeah, got to quit like, first? No, you do it. No, you well, do were, it. They were like brothers in like the good way, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we got along really well. And then, uh, so I just did it one day, and it was bad. It was Right, because you guys have been playing at that point for three years? More. Uh, maybe longer. Okay. Yeah. And like this is like the whole core of like an entire group of friends too. Like is Yeah, it all just stopped. Yeah. And right. then I went there off. There was a little disintegration with some of the people. Yeah, and uh-huh. then I went an extreme left. In terms of music or in terms of everything in your life? All of the above. All of the above. Tell I went extremely bad. Okay. So give some examples. Drugs. Went car accident. pretty much yeah. Oh I got a bad car accident. And uh I remember that you hit you. Uh, yeah, my skull was exposed. Oof. A couple hundred stitches. Your first true live-in girlfriend. Yes. That um, was not very healthy. So we're just gonna go ahead no. and we're just gonna connect that right to the skull exposed and no. again a horrible accident. <laughs> it was a dark time. It was dark. It was very dark. And then uh, that I remember led you to with a the stitches. Whole bunch of weird. Yeah, it looked like Frankenstein. I still worked at Cellophane Square at the time. Yeah. And there were people just walk up I'm like ooh. ooh. Uh, you can't even really see it anymore. I'm no. always amazed. Oh, What's well, been what twenty years? Yeah, but that was seriously one of the most brutal things when it I got that. Phone hasn't call. been twenty years. When I got that phone call to come and stay with you because you'd been in that accident, I've never. So explain that. Yeah, because my girlfriend at the time was in Europe. 
Mm-hmm. So you got a phone call. <laughs> um, I thought you knew. <laughs> yeah, none of my friends would tell me this. By the way, how but old? How I had been you? on tour. I came home to an empty home. Well, it wasn't empty while I was gone. Oh, <laughs> and the thing is, you would insinuate stuff, and you would. I, we all just thought you didn't want us to talk to you about it. By the we way, would try. This, we would try. This is the territory that almost every one of these podcasts could go into yeah, yeah but we're but not saying anything it does, bad but it doesn't no no it's okay because but it's it's it is i expected all of this is some documented of this. and everyone in the group knew about it I this is some a very big it's a huge reason why it, yeah. i went different yeah okay so all of this happens yes and i pretty much immersed myself in just myself and booze booze <laughs> i didn't do a lot right and weed yeah and and weed yeah yeah, yeah. Mostly but at one point, I mean, that completely changed the way my brain functioned. And I just, I stayed in, indoors for a but long But it was weird. Time. I mean, I mean he, was already, he was already going that way, but that car accident's the thing that did it. It totally changed everything. And I can remember walking into the house and him just with the shit-eating grin on his face. Like, uh, like that. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to explain it. I don't know it, what that means. Since you can't see my face. Like, that was the look on his face was like, like, just From sheer, the car accident? From the car accident. Oh. Just total shell shock. And he's never the same from that point forward. <laughs> I like to think that I got better. <laughs> I agree. I, there, I think there are arguments for that. Like, no, I actually do think so. It was just a really long time getting there. Yeah, a couple years. Yeah, three yeah. years. Okay, yeah. so at this point, do you start getting into electronic music? Oh yeah, I'd already been into it. Right. Oh yeah, collecting it, and that was my main. There was a shift music. when you were working at Cellophane. Yeah, for the music. Yeah, because I could get my hands on everything. So I still have my big collections of punk rock. Electronic, but it pretty much started going all electronic. Yeah, you started, so you stopped collecting anything rock. Yeah, you stopped started going to the shows it. with us. You stopped doing all that. You guys probably bought half my seven inches. We did. We do have. I do have <laughs> quite a few of your records. It's true. <laughs> Although there was lots you would not part with. You would not give up your Jawbreaker or your Super Chunk, no matter what, at the time. I still have those. I think. Yes, exactly. Most of them. Yeah, but yeah, but you did do a huge shift because you're the reason that I knew of anything electronic at the time, and yes. you're the first person who ever took me to a rave. Oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. And yeah. you probably had to see it. The aftermath, maybe. Yes. I, I, I don't remember it. But see, I remember one of the last shows I remember playing, I had been really messed up the night before and then playing at the old firehouse, just feeling like death. And that was just, yeah, I was, that was pretty but much that's about the, the time that then Dave comes into the picture and we're all hanging okay. out and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then everything... you weren't around when the, when the accident happens, that's before, right before I meet you. Right. Don't you think? I think so. Okay. So we, we probably need to get real quick into more modern era. Yeah. We could talk all about yeah. your, your crazy accident, dark days for, for years and years. Um... Dark days. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you don't do any music for quite some time. And then all of a sudden you do YKK and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting to that's still that's still a little bit ahead of where we are now and we're gonna do it pretty quick. Okay, well, yeah, but I, we did basement stuff, Dave and I, just yeah, making noise. True. Yeah. All that right. was where Logic I'm, Probe was born. Oh, Logic Probe. Okay, I'm gonna leave it Logic Probe. I'm gonna go make us lunch. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for coming in, dear. Thanks. Yeah, we didn't even get into too many yeah. bad stories. Yep, just not, stop. not too many. <laughs> he says just stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be out of here in a minute. Yeah. She has more dirt on me than anybody else, so <laughs> okay, so you start playing music with Dave Ford. Dave Ford had been in a number of bands. He was in 1007 for George's a while. Wall. He was in George's Wall. He was kind of a everybody kind of knew he was some sort of a some sort of a musical genius. Yes. And you know, I played in George's Wall a couple shows. Okay. For bass. Right. I was like I was the fill-in guy. 
So yeah, we start making noise was our main thing. Was this to make noise? And did you start calling it Logic Probe right at the beginning? No. Did you have a different name? We didn't. We were just like, all of a sudden one day we're like, we're going to call this Logic Probe. And we stuck a piece of paper on the wall and that became our den, our noise den. Your noise den. Where we would just pretty much buy everything. What year is this? 96, 96, 97. We put out our first CD in 99. In 99. Right. I think. Which was the the one that Carrie Whitney released? Yes. Okay. So, and that's the stuff. That's the CD that I used music off of for the Edge of Quarrel. Correct. Okay. Logic Probe is still. You guys are still doing it. Correct. It's a long running musical project, and you guys have played a lot of different places. I've seen yeah, you do it. We've done yeah some really interesting stuff. How would you describe Logic Probe to people that had not heard Logic Probe and maybe didn't understand the type of music that it is? Um. Let's see. Organized chaos. Is it is it IDM? Well, people say that. Some do, yeah, I guess. If you want to label it that. I don't really like that name, but yes. There's no name you like better? Music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you It's like I mean it's electronic music, a lot of noise, a lot of scattered beats broken. And you primarily run it off laptops. Now, yes. We didn't used to. We used to use actual all, all hardware. Right. But then we had a show down with Jason Farrell in Salt Lake. Like we can't carry all this crap with us on an airplane. Right. So we got laptops. Okay. And that was a complete shift. Right. And once you did a laptop, you're like, okay, we're laptop music. Yes. Because then it was almost like the device was capable of taking what we had in our brains and making it happen. Okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now- Because it's really hard to hand program things. Sure. Let's hit on two things. One, we teased this earlier, so I want to do it. Uh, you're in Edge of Quarrel. Yes. And you're also in Matt Masuoka's movies or movie? Uh, movie. Okay. You're in For the Cash. Yes. And you're, you play a character working at Fallout Records. Yes. Okay. And, I and think, a ninja. Oh, and you're one of the ninjas. Yes. I am also one of the ninjas. In my backyard or in, like in the alley? In the alley. That's yeah. right. That's right. We did some <laughs> ninja stunts. We did. Derek and I have been ninja stuntmen in a film together. Yes, we have. I, okay. <laughs> um. Uh, that was fun. I fell off the car with a sword. Yes. Remember? And Matt we were was trying worried. to figure out how you would not kill yourself. Matt was, was, was worried it was going to be, um, it was going to be too dangerous because I'd fallen the sword and stabbed myself. And I said, you don't have any production value here. We really need, <laughs> I know I can do it. I know I can tumble off this car with the sword and not stab myself. And you did it. I did. I don't know if it added that much production value, but I really, wa- the thing is, I just wanted to do it. Yes. I, I understand. I, and That's, I knew I could fall with a sword. Yeah. I ran just, around with all those wooden it. swords all my youth, you know? <laughs> not this fake metal one, but whatever. Yeah, and we did have some music in those movies. Oh, you guys had some in Matt's movies. Yes. Okay. In in um he did Heartbreak Beat and For the Cash. Yeah, we were just in For the Cash. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe um the laboratory scene. That would make sense. We're with Damien. Yes, I, I believe we have the music when the garage is opening. <laughs> okay, so because you know scientists. Electronic yeah. music. Yeah. yeah, it all goes together. It, it all makes sense. When you were doing For the Cash, you also did a scene for me in The Edge of Quarrel. In The Edge of Quarrel, in my movie, it's punk versus straight edge. There's gang fights. There's lots and lots of scenes where there's people chasing other people. And I had a scene, and if anyone's seen the movie, they know the scene we're talking about, where Aaron Edge, who plays a character named Rolo, is being chased by some punk rockers. He runs past a payphone. Pulls the payphone handle out and clotheslines one of the punks. 
then rips the receiver out of the phone and then beats, and me beats the it. next guy. You're the guy that he yes. beats. <laughs> Which very quick. It was very quick. Um, and and it actually you actually got hurt more in real life than what it would have looked like in the film because yes. it doesn't really look like he's hitting you. So no, but you got whipped by the end of the metal. Yeah, that conduit, that thing hurt. A metal conduit. So I appreciate you yeah. actually, I mean, only a couple <laughs> I people. I took one for the movie. Yeah, only a couple people really got hurt. Like you and Dave Carson, who, uh, I mean, sorry, Zach Chicago, yeah. who actually got <laughs> kneed in the side of the face. Oh, that's way worse. Um, in the rumble yeah, scene. Yeah, whip me with some metal. That's way, yeah. <laughs> no, so that was, I, I appreciate that. You're, you're part of that fiasco, like so many others. And then you get a job at some place on the east side. Now, neither of us had taken advantage of... The opportunities that had been happening in the Northwest with the whole rise of the internet and all the dot coms and everything, people, you know, people that we knew had made a lot of money, and you get hired yes. by some at the tech time. Company. At the time, I was doing laser work, like actually etching light plates and stuff for Boeing jets and all that stuff, getting paid very little. You worked for a company that was doing laser etching, yes, like cutting paint, okay, on panels that were backlit. So then I had to, I used that. Dave Ford got a job. That's right. At Terabeam. Dave Ford got a job at Terabeam. And I took that because I was working with Dave Ford. And the name of the company was Terabeam. Terabeam. And it was, it was this startup in Seattle that Lucent Technologies had gotten excited about and yes. put $700 million of money into. Lots of money. And one night at the Spaghetti Factory, I believe... You, spaghetti factory. This sounds right. Ah, sure. We were all out uh, at the spaghetti factory and you said, Dave needs you a should job. Apply. <laughs> yeah. It was said, Dave needs a job. I was working at Kinko's and I had already not taken a job at amazon.com oh, when I had an opportunity. And so I thought, you. I no, it was the biggest mistake I've ever made. Well, that, that time at Amazon. Yes. Now <laughs> it would be a good thing to not get it. Okay. But certainly like it, yes. financially, it would have been a great thing to have done. But so you said- you should apply. I'll I'll put in a word for you or whatever it was. And so I was able. I applied and used you as a reference. And somehow, with no background in anything, I got hired to work with you in Redmond at Terabeam. And I was I was hired as like a monkey, like a like a monkey wrencher. That's what we all were. Right. We worked in in the. Uh, but it paid well. No, it didn't. No, well, no, no. Eventually, it paid no. well for me. Here's what they did. When I got hired, they said, "Okay, listen." We don't offer a high hourly wage. Basically, what we do is when we bring people in, we give them a slight bump off of what they're making currently. But you're getting so many stock options. We were all going to be rich. We were all going to be rich. They said that you're not really doing this job for the hourly. You're going to give us a couple of years and you're going to never have to work again. They actually said, congratulations, you won the lotto. <laughs> How'd that work out for us? Oh, great. We worked there together for a couple of years. I worked there. We for, got pretty close. I worked there job. for a long time. You worked a lot longer than I did. I, I went in the fourth round of layoffs when everything went bad. After... I asked them to lay me off. Yeah. <laughs> because they wanted to keep me there. Right. Now, you said this company still exists. I don't know that it does. I'm not sure. It might. <laughs> if so, you search it, something will come up. Well, if that's the case, maybe my stock options are still worth something. Uh, you would have had to pay for them. <laughs> Wait, how does that work? Well, you, you, the offering price, you have to pay for them. Oh, and it never went above what the, <laughs> so it would actually cost me money to get rid of them. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we worked 
at uh, at Terabeam for a couple of years, and I ended up doing crazy work with lasers and aligning stuff and things that like fun stuff. It was fun in a way. There yes. just like every I job. It, I think it killed your soul a little bit. It did. I'm gonna tell you the truth, man. If that job could have been me just sitting there putting together those little laser control boxes, remember that? Yes. Okay. If I could have just done that every day for like 15 or 20 years, I would have been thrilled. Like I couldn't oh, even imagine I don't think I something. I could do that for that long. Like because it was just the repetitive work that you had to do very specifically to make it work right. And I could it was just make this the exact same way every single time. And I love that. But it was the Hmm. I was was constantly getting thrown into something else, and yeah, I don't know. It was a mess. Well, it was a startup and environment, which was crazy. And here's the thing: while it was rising, anytime someone had a problem with something, it, it'd be like, "Oh, but this is so cool. Who cares?" As soon as it started, to, as soon as we could see the writing on the wall <laughs> that this thing wasn't going to work, it's like, "Oh crap!" Let's and get out of here. and nine eleven happened. Yes, and, oh, uh, that, and everything the, went down. Everything went downhill. Then all of a sudden, everybody's personal problems with each other came into play and it became ugly uh, yeah <laughs> not you and me no 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 that was a, the best thing that came out of it was you and me becoming much closer yes. as friends we had some good lunches oh uh we we did the family uh, pancake house? the family pancake house Often. with grilled cheese and yep. the other one we did that i liked was the uh the godfather's pizza oh yeah yeah lunch yeah. buffet yeah <laughs> yeah those were the days you know the the closest godfather's pizza is in federal way and sometimes I'll drive down there to go to the lunch buffet. Federal. Oh, my God. They still have them. That's ridiculous. Why would you drive that far? Because there's nothing on earth that tastes like the Godfather's Pizza oh, Lunch man. Buffet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's Yeah. That's, yeah. That is the thing. I will never do that. Well, you should go with me sometime. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. I was never a big fan of Godfather's. No. Oh, okay. But it was we convenient. Went, yeah, it was convenient. convenient. It was right by the work. Yeah, okay. But- when you left, you got laid off or you left Terabeam, you did something completely different. You were on, you were yeah. doing this tech work and you ended up going out, let me see if I'd say this right, as a guitar tech for Modest Mouse? Yeah. Yeah. You could say that. Yeah. Computer and guitar tech for Dan. For, so, okay. For Modest Mouse. So, yeah. you, so computer tech? Yeah. Because I, 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 Dan trusted me with his computer stuff. So was he using it on stage? Was he Yes. At, okay. So he yes. was making sounds. Yes. Because a lot of the keyboards and drum loops, a lot of the stuff came from the laptop. So how long did you do that job? Oh, uh, let's see. That was 2004 and 2005. So two years with Modest no, Mouse? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't two solid years. Maybe it was a year Right, because they would tour seems... and then they'd be off and you'd be right. home. And then I'd do weird part-time work and... Yeah. Um, but it was cool. I mean, we got to do, you know, Saturday Night Live and you were there... Austin City Limits and cool stuff. Cool. No, that's that's a big change. You, but you had, oh, yeah. you had been on tour, but this was a whole different kind that's of... That's a whole different kind of tour. Was it a tour bus? Um... When I first started, it was vans. Okay. And then it was bus and airplanes. Oh, and you'd fly places. Yeah. Because you basically went with them on the rise. Yes. Which was very interesting. I remember that was coming around right basically when I was leaving Terrabeam. Yes. They were on their way up. That's exciting. Yeah, it was, you know, having known Jeremiah and Dan, it was, you know, it was fun. Yeah. Got to meet a lot of good people, Joe Plummer and... It was fun. Cool. And then, so... It was just a uh, personal life wrecker. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay, so you don't have a lot it's of very great hard. feelings from that time. Oh, I do. You I do? had a fantastic time, but personal life-wise, it was very difficult. Just because you're leaving someone at home that doesn't really want you to be gone. Right. Okay, so what happens after that? How does that come to an end, and what happens? So, it was an end of a tour, 
And basically, Andy and I were going to get married. Okay. My wife, Andy. Yep. And I said, I'm going to stay home and get another, a real job. I called it a real job. That was just the way to say it. To stay home. Right. So that's what I did. I and found a former Terra Beamer. Right. And got another job in manufacturing. In manufacturing involving lasers. Uh, we use lasers. Okay. But it's, but it's not... mainly RF. RF being what? Radio frequency? Yes. Okay. Horizontal jar. drilling equipment. Horizontal drilling equipment. Yes. Okay. And so you've been doing that. You've been doing that ever since. 10 years. 10 years now. And you've been focusing on Logic Probe. Yes. I can't believe that and, much time has gone by. Uh, a couple other. I did YKK with Morgan. YKK with Morgan. But um, that was before. That was older. You were doing so that, that when was we 2000, were Terra Beam. Yeah. Two. 2001. And that doesn't exist anymore? Uh, no. We did it. We recorded a record and a couple other songs, but we never actually put it out. Okay. It's just online. But that record was going to come out on a label. On Lucky Horse. It was going to come out on Lucky Horse. Yep. Okay. But for some reason, Morgan and I didn't agree on it. So I see. It didn't come out. So, but it's available online. Somewhere. Okay. So we'll find some YKK and we'll yeah. try to link it. Um, and so what are, well, what are the plans? Now, you have a child now. I do. I have a three-year-old. She's awesome. And that has slowed things down a little bit. Dave and I both have children Mm -hmm. and that makes it a little bit harder. Right. And we both have full-time jobs. Right. So we still do stuff. We haven't done any, uh, haven't had any releases for a couple of years. Okay. But I've also got another one that's AV Labrado is another electronic one that came out on Schematic Records out of Miami. AV Labrado? Yeah. Yeah. That's another band that you do? Yeah. Who do you do it with? Just you My friend Jerry. Who's oh. in Portland now? Right. No, I know you've yeah. worked with Jerry for for years, but I didn't know you guys actually had a release. Yes. Is this what's it sound like? Um, electronic, more straightforward. Like, uh, how do you? Uh, I hate describing music. It's the worst. <laughs> Go listen to it. It's noisy electronic stuff. Okay, but not the same as Logic Probe. Right. Logic Probe uses a lot more circuit bent stuff and homemade weird stuff. Right. Which is what I like to do. Circuit. Now there are probably people you've said circuit bent. Yeah, twice sorry. without explaining it. No, that's cool. I let it go by. But explain really quickly to people what circuit bent means. Taking old, usually old toys and rewiring them so, so they that make... they make lots of garbled sounds. Now, a perfect example would be like a speak and spell. Yes, speak and spell or something like that. Right. Old keyboards. So what you want is you want to be able to utilize that sound that comes out of the speaker it has, but make it completely make it make sounds that that's not supposed to that it's not supposed to yes and is it controllable or is the idea that it should sometimes, be randomized sometimes it is controllable what is what is sought after controllable no not for me chaos you, you want chaos yeah because you record it and you chop it up and you turn it into something else okay so you wouldn't be doing it live you wouldn't be you wouldn't be yeah we do you do. <laughs> we, yeah, we. I believe you came to one where we played pretty much all noise, no beats. Yeah, no, I yeah, I have. Yeah, and I've you were like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's fun to watch you do your thing. I don't yeah, always understand it. Yeah. Um. You don't need to understand it. <laughs> Sometimes we don't understand it. All right. It just happens. <laughs> and so that's and so basically that's where we're sitting now. Yeah. Still, you know, got a couple other projects I'm working on, all electronic stuff. All electronic stuff? Okay. Yeah. Bought my kid a drum set, so I'm hoping to get some recordings of her one of these days. Now, when you buy your kid a drum set... I, I never was allowed to have a drum set. So that's what you wanted her to be able to yeah, make Yeah, I just want her to have a drum set. But you so. also want a drummer. Sure. 
<laughs> You're like oh, I kind of just want a little t- tiny drum set I can beat on. <laughs> oh, you wanted? To oh, play I play the it more. Than, I play it more than she does. <laughs> but it's miniature, so it makes me. It makes you. You're all hunched over. Right. And it's but it's loud. It's great. But she gets on there like Animal from the Muppets and just starts beating things. And she has good rhythm. Oh, she does. Yeah. Okay, so she can. She actually will play. be doing something. <laughs> You'll be in a band with her. I hope so. Nice. Um, that oh, would be weird, but I hope so. Would it be weird? Yeah, I think people do that. Oh, people do but it, they're but they're weird. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to be in a band with their dad? What? Yeah, I suppose that's true. That's weird. Know. Not weird for the parent. Weird for the you kid. You think it's weird for the kid? Yeah. Who wants to be in a band with their parent? Yeah, I guess that would be hard. That would yeah. be kind of rough. Or it would be completely amazing. Well, I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah. Hey, so we're going to go. What What other things would you like to cover? What ha- What didn't we cover that you thought we would talk about today? Um, well, we luckily didn't talk about fights. Oh, we talked a little bit about fights with you throwing that stuff down. Oh, yeah, that was when I was young. I'm talking about high school fights. Did you get in a lot of fights in high school? Um, Several. Did you win? Yes. You were always a well, winner? Well, no. <laughs> no, but that, I was actually, I hated high school for a lot of it because I was picked on by this one person and it lasted for a long time. And I spent a lot of time in the library avoiding it. And but, then you finally stood. So this I is was like in a the, movie. I was in band. Okay. So I had band fights where people, I got jumped in the band hallway and ended up. Wait, wait, wait. By other, down. by other band people? Yes. Wait, because of, because of jealousy over the, the band stuff? No. I believe the one big one was because I wouldn't do his paper route. So he jumped on my back and I flipped him over, put my knee on his throat and punched him in the face a bunch of times until he cried. Nice. Did you, yep. now, did you get in trouble for that? Nope. Oh, you just, you got to walk off that one. Yep. Awesome. I've never gotten in trouble for him. That's an, that's but I've a, also been hit a bunch of times by random people, just like strangers. That, Cause you, do you think that you just had a face that looked like it yes, needed a fist? I think so. Okay. <laughs> and we took that picture. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, like just random, like, oh, I don't like you. I'm going to hit you. I'm like, Ugh. and I would, I would go ahead, hit me. I'm not going to hit you back. Okay. And I would just keep walking while they were trying to hit me. Oh, so sometimes you just walked away from yeah. flailing. Oh, yeah. Or being hit in the side of the head and Jesus. just keep walking. All right. Were those the ones you thought you couldn't win? No, I just didn't want to deal with it. Didn't want to deal with it. Okay. But when, so. I have a weird crazy switch. Like okay. All of a sudden, just like snap and lunatic. Right. And that's the guy that. I don't like that guy. You don't like the guy, but he no. beats people up. Well, yeah. That's when the, it, yeah. That's when the crazy stuff happens. Okay. Like baseball bats and stuff. My How brother. did you? My brother. <laughs> Tennis rackets, you know, whatever. Whatever was closest. And oh, so these weapon. are fights that you would go up against your, your brother. Yeah, but that's, well, that was where most of them happened. Right. Because I was at home and I had weapons. Do you have nunchucks? Nope, but I saw some at the gas station the other day and I almost bought them. Wait, you wanted to have nunchucks? I did. I think part of listening to this makes me want them. I had nunchucks. I know. My brother made me some. I never hit anybody with them, though. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. They're not good. No, they're stupid. I don't think. But Bruce I think Lee, these unscrew and you could put weed in them. Oh, they're just no, they're just for holding your yeah. weed. You put your <laughs> weed in there. But they were full size. <laughs> just because something unscrews and there's a there's an opening doesn't mean it's a weed storage place. Uh, you beg to differ. Well, it's sold with all of that other junk next to a scale or a little pipe and or... and next to a throwing star. And a, and, they, and, they and a dagger with a white wolf on the handle. Nope, they don't have those there. Otherwise, I would have one on the wall. I love that kind of tchotchke junk. Yeah? Did you have a throwing star when you were a kid? I did. 
Did you throw it at stuff? In the fence, we had an above the ground pool. We popped the liner of the pool. Did you have one throwing star or a one. collection? You one. had one. And when did you lose it? In Oklahoma, but somewhere. By throwing it and not yes. being able to find oh, it? Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> and how do you carry a throwing star when you're a kid? Did you put it in your back pocket? No, you just carry it. Oh, you walked around with the throwing star. Yeah. Had four points. You had 4.1. Yep. Okay. I had one of those ones that it had a big hole in the middle. It had either five, it had six prongs and then the prongs had two prongs coming out the side. And you'd whip that at the fence and it would hit the fence and stick in. And then you'd go look at the wood and you'd say, okay, if that hit someone's skin, how far would it actually go in? Because you're trying to do a fence to face ratio, basically. Oh, yeah. if it, I would never throw that at somebody. I, see, I remember sharpening it. <laughs> sharpening your throwing star yeah. with a whetstone? Yeah, sure. What did you sharpen it with? Concrete. Like sitting there like... <laughs> You're rubbing the throwing star <laughs> on the concrete. Trying to grind it. Oh my God, that's hey, so wonderful. When you're like 10, 11, 12, you got to do what you can. You, you got to. My, did, did I don't remember having... knives? Did I? Yeah. Not really. Never have really liked... No knives, but a throwing star. Yeah. Well, it was around the neighborhood, yeah. So you didn't actually think you were going to throw it at a person? Not on purpose. See, I there, I went through a brief period of time where I, I was thought, I was not a ninja. I thought I could, if I could get good enough with the fence, I could actually use the star to defend myself if needed. Yeah, no, I I never thought that would happen. Sort um, of like hatchet throwing when you go camping. I had a tiny little butterfly knife too. Ooh, I had a butterfly knife. Yeah, I did have a pocket knife, and I would practice. I had two of them. I would practice opening it like where no one could see it, and then stabbing a cardboard box. <laughs> Um, because I wanted to be able to know how to do it. I didn't want to have to not know what I was doing if I needed to use that. And it was a tiny little rickety little butterfly knife that was like three inches long. When I worked open. with this guy at Burger King that took me for a ride one day. We're listening to Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock and he pulls out, <laughs> reaches under his seat, pulls out a butterfly knife and gave it to me. Oh, he's hey, like, hey, you might need this. I'm like, Did where he the mean hell are we going? For the ride or for where? And then he let you keep it? Yeah. I, like, hey. I don't have it anymore Hey, because it got rusted. You're going to need one of these. You, just, you need a friend who'll just hand you- I think you he a... might have just been giving me something he needed to get rid of. Oh, it had been used. I don't know, but it was old. Yeah. Wow. So I'm like, I kept it for a long time. But you don't still have it. No, I don't. I wish I did. Oh, well. You keep a lot of stuff, but you oh, threw I'm away the rusty old I'm butterfly knife? Yeah, I'm a hoarder. That's I keep everything. One. Maybe you did actually feel that it was used in the commission. I actually might have it, but I don't think I do. I, there has to have been a reason for you to throw it away. Yeah, I don't know. Because I used to have another one. I don't have that one anymore. Okay. Yeah, I, it's weird. I've had multiple butterfly knives in my life, and I don't have any of them. Butterfly knives don't stay. No. Why is that? I don't, it's, a, it's a mystery. It flew away. It's. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. Well, I don't. I don't know what it's like. Yeah. Um. So that's either. the fight stuff. We we should have probably gone into that in more detail. Um, yeah, but instead we got some bikini talk. The funny thing is now I'm just that's I, you won't let us put that picture up. I'm assuming. Oh man, I'd have to see it again myself. But I'm gonna. You need to understand. Maybe say you no. You brought some cool stuff over here today. For this, but Michaelan has oh, has so much volumes I know. of picture books, and you feature prominently in many of them. I've been around for a long time. <laughs> okay, well, listen, um, <laughs> I don't even know what most of those are. <laughs> Yikes! It's okay. There's some good ones, yeah, and there's, I'm there's sure there definitely are. some photos with you and Matsuoka in those crazy times that you're talking about. So there has to be. be good. Someone had to have documented that. 
Okay, so uh, I'm going to say thanks for coming over and doing this, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, right before we go, any corrections from any of the prior 17 episodes of this podcast? It is so hard to think about that. I'm just really enjoying it. So, Well, you... You will usually text me something about oh. each episode as you listen to it. And that's how yes. I know you had listened well, to them like all. The singer of the way outs, Leah. The singer of the way outs is Leah. I do have photos and video of them. <laughs> we'll have to do something with that. <laughs> um, who else was in the way outs? Um, Ned Brower. Ned. Who went on to play in Rooney. Okay. And Tim Kennedy. And right. Ben Davis. And Ben Davis. Okay. that was a, They were a good band. And they seemed for a little bit that they were going to really go. Yeah, and then it just stopped. Yeah, that's what happened. With but you know, Ned, Tim, they were, they had to go to college. Yeah, <laughs> they, they had to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just, yeah. Okay. I never did that. You never did college? Well, I did like three times, I think. Never finished. Right. Oops. So, okay, so I'm, you did bring that one up. You can't think of anything else? Uh, not right this second. All right. But you're out there. You're like a historian that's out there. Oh, I've got a lot listening, of stuff. Listening to this stuff. So if we make mistakes, Derek will uh, will let me know and we'll be able to correct it. Yep. All right. Sounds buddy. good. Thank you so much for coming out today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Well, there it is. I gotta say, this episode could have gone on forever. We could have kept talking. Um, in the end there, we ran out of time. Derek needed to go. So there were a number of topics I didn't even bring up because I knew that it would take us far, far beyond where we could go with the time we had left the episode. So I really enjoyed that one. Uh, we could have gone longer, but, you know, they got sometimes they have to come to an end. What are you going to do? As far as corrections go, there's a possible correction... Talking about it afterwards, Michael Ann says looking back on it, her first house show might have been The Accused and not Poison Idea. She believes it was one of those, but she was very young. Um, in her mind, it's always been Poison Idea, and it may well have been Poison Idea. Maybe it was both. I mean, who knows back then what it could have been. I was unaware of the show, but this could have been way back when I was in Bellingham, so who knows. Um, I tried to check to see if Terabeam was still a company. As near as I can tell, Terabeam is now a company called Proxim Wireless. Either they bought them out or whatever. That's where whatever technology went. Uh, I found some fun articles about what a horrible downfall it had been, what a terrible gamble, and how everyone had gotten screwed. Uh, I didn't spend too much time on those because I know the story personally. So that's pretty much it. Derek pointed out in the episode that it was Leah who sang for the way outs. And he brought a flyer. Uh, we've talked on a couple episodes, the Jake Snyder episode and the Damian Johnson episode, about the show at the Redmond Annex that Pillow played that was, I suppose, the first real meeting of Jake and I. And Derek actually had a flyer for that show. So that's going to show up in the images on his blog page. So go check that out. It tells the bands that are playing. And so we can put that one to bed. The other thing about this episode is that I, I really didn't get a chance to talk about some of the cool stuff that Derek has done with Logic Probe, working uh, with doing remix stuff for different bands. But if you um, are a person who's into Waxwing or Botch, you may have uh, actually heard his work. Because on the Waxwing Intervention record, I believe it is, uh, there's Logic Probe remix of one of their songs. And on the uh, Botch, We Are the Romans record, 
there's a remix uh, that Logic Probe did. So Derek was involved with both of those things, and he's had his hand in a lot of things. And uh, I expect that's not going to end. I think he'll he'll continue doing a lot of great stuff. All right, so I'm putting this one up. We've got some some very cool podcast episodes coming up. I'm lining up some interviews I'm excited about. Getting to the bottom of some stuff. All right, go check out all the stuff on the site, nobody'snose.com. Go like our Facebook page, facebook.com/nosynobody. Follow us on Twitter at nosy nobody do these things these make me very happy when people follow those things it makes me feel like there's one or two people out there paying attention anyway just a little something that makes it all feel worth it all right until next time see y'all this podcast is a product of the nobody's knows podcast network Executive Producers, David R. Larson and K. Drake Streetman. Music for this episode provided by Polymorph from the record Artifacts, Demos, and Debris.